You're listening to the Scottish Football Forums podcast, the home of Scottish football banter. Hi, welcome to the latest episode of Scottish Football Forums podcast, season 11, episode 7. I'm John, I'm your host for this evening, and joined by Scott M. How you doing? Good mate, good mate. Good to be back. As well, every Monday, I'm not even in the car this time. My I'm actually holding the room for another night, so we're good to go. You're doing well. You're doing well. I, I know. I kind of feel like I should call you Scott M in case folk that don't listen every week can differentiate between the Scots. The other Scots not on tonight. To to be fair, John, see everywhere I go, I normally get oh my girl. Anyway, so just second names fine, mate. Aye, I do try and call you. I think when both are on, but aye, maybe I'll just to my girl. It's easier. For everyone, um, good weekend. Good mate, aye. Back gigging. That's uh, something else. Like pub, pubs were packed. The restrictions are kind of dropped as well. And been to the football. Went and watched Celtic at, at home to Hearts. Demolished them, by the way. Scoreline doesn't doesn't tell the full story, but we'll talk about that. We will. Aye, if we need to talk about the football, then I suppose we will. Um, <laughs> so, but please have a guest on as well who. Um, we'd actually asked on before the League Cup was getting played at the weekend, which I'm now regretting uh, because he's a Wraith Rovers fan. Um, he's also wrote a book called Arrival about the Scottish women's national team journey to the World Cup in France. So, please to introduce Stephen on. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. I've had a very good weekend. <laughs> yeah. I, I was just thinking when it was after yesterday, obviously I'd messaging that actually last week we never mentioned the League Cup the preview of the League Cup we were talking about all various other different things so I was just thinking maybe tonight we'll not talk about the League Cup either just, <laughs> no, no, just we let need, it pass we need to give it its, uh, its place front and centre of the discussion I think you know aye well we were kind of talking off air before about like Wraith are synonymous with the, the League Cup uh, you've got a good week you're on my Aberdeen fans you can give me absolute pelters for yesterday and then you're on my Celtic fans so what could be better John see if he doesn't bring up 1994 I'll be fine I, sh- I should actually just point out that I, I have written a book about the Scotland women's team arrival, but I've also written a book about the League Cup win in 1994. So, oh, uh, there I we know. go. I might get a wee copy sent over to Scott if that's all right. Just enjoy <laughs> reading all about that. We uh, we get maybe like some of the Wraith players to sign it as well. Yeah, could do. Actually, to be fair, uh, it's Paul McStay contributed to it, so I spoke to Paul McStay, so uh, there, there is a Celtic representation in there. He's mainly just saying how good Rovers were on the day, but, you know, still. Does it mention the penalty? <laughs> it does, does, mention, does mention the penalty, yeah. Actually, you better not read that. It starts, the first uh, the first page uh, starts on the penalty, so. Uh, <laughs> oh, I, I'm out. John, I'll see you later, mate, right? <laughs> so this will be a, a new podcast where the guest just talks to himself. Exactly. <laughs> we're, both, we're both a mate in a pub. Um, but yeah, where shall we start then? Um, oh, you're a guest, so we need to ask you straight away, favourite pie? Favourite pie? Uh, probably macaroni. Macaroni? Yeah. Same as Aaron, isn't it? It's, uh, if, if you go to your football at, at Kirkcaldy, then you, the pies are a little bit ropey. So macaroni is the safe choice. So probably over the years, I've been I've gone down that route as the safest choice. You kind of know. <laughs> so. I we Erin's raging that she's not had a macaroni pie yet this season. I think she was hoping to get one yesterday, and she went. I think she went before the game. They were still cooking, and then by the time she got to half time, they were all gone. 
not, not a good day all round then. So, aye, she wasn't happy. Uh, and in terms of the pies, I did try a cracking pie last week at Talbot. So, it was haggis, chicken and peppercorn sauce. And it was bloody great. Tremendous. That sounds like Pathic Thistle. <laughs> Tell you, by the way, the pie game is, is next level at the West of Scotland League. That's that's where you got the best pies. I've said it so many times. Yeah, I was talking to the guy and I was saying, oh, right. I, I was had a wee look. I was just going to get a steak pie or something like that. And I seen it. I thought, I'll go for that. And he said on the cards for the future, we're going to have like Cajun chicken pies and all sorts. There's a whole range of these gourmet pies going to be getting sold. So, too much I think it was. Uh, £2. Aye, uh, £2.20. Pretty good. Much a pie at Celtic Park? Oh, mate, I got a steak pie yesterday. It didn't take a photo, by the way, because it was horrendous. <laughs> uh, a steak pie, chips, and a Diet Cola. £8.80. £8. Steep. Stephen, you get away fans in at the, at the League Cup game. Aye. Take your own food, mate. Then you bring your <laughs> care and get done. <laughs> You'll get fleeced. That's even more expensive than Harry at Easter Road. Uh-huh. Man, that's ridiculous. Did you have a pie yesterday, Stephen? Uh, I did not have a pie yesterday. So uh, obviously the catering's been shut up until yesterday. So we've kind of got in. We got in a habit of going with my daughter. Uh, or buy our own food. So on the way, we've been doing that. So we did that yesterday again. So didn't, didn't go near the catering. So as I said, the catering at Kirkcaldy, there, there's no sort of fancy stuff. It's not reached Fife yet. So uh, it's steak, it's steak <laughs> or, or macaroni. So that's your options. And uh, I think there's hamburgers as well, but I wouldn't go near them. But. Aye, fair enough. Um, I think, was it Ross? He had a, he had a steak pie yesterday at Kirk- uh, mm-hmm. Park and said it was pretty good. So he, he, he rated it. So maybe they've got new caterers or something. Maybe, maybe they have. Uh, I've, <laughs> I've just gone on the last 20 years of, of having a <laughs> Stars Park and uh, not so good one. You get uh, Four for Bridie, that's my uh, that's my thing of choice. You've got the four for that, something to look forward to. Getting a four for Bridie up there. Right. Um, to, so, be, to be fair though, Stephen, you're talking about dodgy pies. See, supporting Wraith Rovers, that's maybe what's gave you the dodgy stomach over the years, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> Well, it's, uh, you've got to take the rough with the smooth. It's like pies. <laughs> sometimes it's ropey and uh, sometimes it's wonderful, but uh, maybe maybe the pies are exactly the same as the as the football experience. But uh, uh, we wouldn't wouldn't change it to be honest. I, I suppose there's always a danger. You got a dodgy pie in the football, and let's face it, we've all been in the toilets in the football. You wouldn't want to, would you? <laughs> That's it. Definitely not a stars part, but uh, not 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 top notch facilities, but. Uh, that, that's not what you go for. You go, you go for the, the sense of community and the odd win, like yesterday. Um, so that was so that yesterday was the only shock that I discovered at the weekend. So I'm going to try and avoid talking about football for as long as I can. <laughs> so I was out down the coast on uh, the South Ayrshire on Saturday. Now, I'm no much a person with plant, plants and flowers and all that type of thing, but I seen something in the garden. I thought, oh, that looks quite nice. We should maybe get that for the garden. Uh, and the missus assured me that it might not be a good idea so I'm going to put this question out to the pair of you and see if you know why we should not have had it or not get it pampas grass yes I, 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 I don't know about that but I've heard I've heard uh, I'm, I'm obviously a child of the 70s so uh, a bit older so uh, yeah I, I know you smoke I, it 
That's what I thought you were getting onto there, mate. Well, no, no, no. I don't know whether it's worse or better. I know, I'm not sure whether it's worse or better. So I don't know whether this is an urban myth. It's one of these things you don't know whether it's true, but apparently in the 70s, maybe 80s, I don't know, or I don't know if it still exists, but uh, if you uh, if you're into swinging, you put a part, you got one of these pampas grass <laughs> uh, plants in your garden. Is that right? And uh, Aye, that, was a, that was a sort of symbol of of uh, you were wanted to put the keys in the pot or that sort of thing. You know, <laughs> that's what I'm that's what I'm told. And I'm thinking, how does the missus know this? Like, something she's not told me about from my past life. But uh, aye, but then I had somebody else, a, a couple I know. I was like, do you know what it is? And they were like, aye, my next door neighbours got it. <laughs> I'm like, oh, she was. I'm, I'm not sure because one of my friends moved in somewhere and the and the garden had it, so we're having a laugh about it. And I was like, I'm not sure it's is it, actually that. It, it might be an urban myth. I'm not sure. It's one of these Wait, things. That does the right? Were you having a laugh about it, Stephen? Whilst you were taking your keys out your pocket, huh? <laughs> <laughs> my, my keys stayed firmly in my pocket. But uh, no, she was thinking I have. She was going to have to take that out. You know, pampas grass. Everybody knows what that means. So, but I don't know. I don't feel so bad then, so you never knew either, Scott, but I was like oblivious, I just thought it looked quite nice, <laughs> uh, so I, I message for anyone, if they're thinking about getting it, maybe check and see whether it's a, well, if you're into it, then get it, <laughs> easy, easy sign, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> so that, that'll maybe give you as a podcast title, Swing When You're Winning. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen was winning at the weekend anyway, and you keep trying to avoid this. Ah, well, should we just start with the League Cup, seeing as we never mentioned it at all last week, Um well, let's start with the game yesterday. You're obviously there, Stephen. Yeah. Going into the game, because Wraith Rovers haven't been in particularly good form at the start of the season. Did you think you were in by chance yesterday at all? It's funny. I had I had a funny conversation with my daughter. The daughter's fifteen, and uh, like she, she's obviously we just saw uh, games where we beat people like when she was quite young. But like as a sort of almost adult, you know, she's never really seen us do much. So she was like, oh, we're going to get beat, you know, we've got no chance. So I, I had to do the old sort of, well, you know, if you support Rovers, you never know what you're going to get. Sometimes it's brilliant, sometimes it's terrible. But the thing I, the thing I always say is, going right back to 94, is there's always a chance, you know. No, no matter how unlikely it seemed, there's always a chance. So, yeah, we probably will get beat, but there's always a chance. So I did feel very smug. At full time, one with one, and uh, that that sort of fatherly talk had sort of paid off. But no, do you know I, 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 the fact that it was in Kirkcaldy was was uh, gave me a bit of hope. And I think also the last time we played them and knocked them out of the Scottish Cup in 2010, I think it was. It was kind of similar situation where we'd sort of lost players to injury. They withdrew at Starks Park and then went up there and beat them with, with Gregory Taddy scoring the goal. So yeah, yeah. I don't know. I kind of thought, and I thought also Aberdeen haven't played in Europe might just be a bit either tired or eye off the ball or, as it proved, put out a bit of a, you know, a slightly weaker team than we probably should have done. Take us, take us for granted. And, you know, the way we've been playing, although we've not had a hugely brilliant start of the season, the way we played last season is just, it's just quality. So I knew that if things went right and went our way, then, you know, we would have a chance, we would cause them problems, which, which was the case. So... So yeah, I was hopeful. Always, always hopeful, no matter what game you go into. I think. Aye, it's the beauty of the cup. Anyway, I, I love cup. Cup football is always great in Scotland. Unless you support Rangers, Celtic, you went every season thinking, right, let's get a good cup run. Maybe yeah. if you can win it, terrific. Um, so from think, our point of view, I don't know. 
about like I know Glass is getting criticised in some quarters about making seven changes and all that type of thing. It's slightly difficult. I would still say the team that was out was a team that you could put in the Premiership and would potentially win some games. So I wouldn't put it down to that. I you could maybe say maybe he's made maybe a few too many changes, maybe, but I still think when you go by the first half performance, Aberdeen were relatively in control. Wraith had a couple of great chances, mind you. There was yeah. there was signs there that um we weren't going to be in for an easy game in the second half. I don't know whether the players were in that half time and thought the job's almost done. Even though it was only one nil, it's always so dangerous. It's a cliche to say, but one goal leads anything can happen. It can change so quickly, and I sure it did. Um, and Wraith, to their credit, there'd be no, there's no way uh, debate. Wraith deserved to win. It's not as if it was like a uh, back to the wall um, performance. Second half, you were terrific, and even as I say, those chances in the first half as well. We, we could easily have been at half time two one down. Yeah, I mean the, the the first half was poor from us, so I think. And but as long as I felt as it stayed one 0 I think if you'd got two, I think it probably would have been out of reach. But going in one 0 just thought, well, we've always got a chance. And I think the thing with the thing with this Rovers team is we can be hot and cold, but when we turn it on as we did in the second half, we were actually quite difficult to live with. I mean, I think you saw that last season. Yeah. I don't know if you saw the five-one game against the Pars. You know, just. They couldn't live with us in that in that game, and we played a few games like that, you know. And when we beat Hearts at Tynecastle, exactly the same. So when things get moving, then then Rovers can really actually cause teams some damage, and and teams at a higher level as well. So and that's what what happened to be the case. I mean, I think I think I think your point out is Rovers was weak as well. I mean, we lost Louis Vaughan, uh, uh, yeah, injury, who's one of our key players. Sondo's been out long term. Brad Spencer broke his foot, so the sort of centre of our, our midfield was kind of really weakened and, and you know but still we came through which was just just I mean the fact that we were even in the knockout stages for me going into it is that since these group stages have come in we've never even got out of the group stages so to be out of the group stages in a knockout tie which I think is is, is to me is a real cup yeah that's it felt like actually we're in a cup tie here great you know it's not some long group stage that you lose out on so I think it, it gave us a chance and once we got the first goal once we got to go back so quickly I mean, as you say, I think we were just great. And then when we went two and up, we've got the tip. We're so confident on the ball when we're when we've got that confidence and that lead. I kind of knew we weren't going to get beat. We just sort of passed it and kept possession, and we're we're calm. You know, there was no panicking or you know just defending for our lives or anything like that. So, aye, because for all in the first half, our play was nice and good, and we kept possession and stuff like that. Apart from the goal, we never tested to keep it at all, and actually the whole game, keeping ever the safety make, which. If you look at the levels that both teams are playing at and where they are just now, that's yeah, shoddy. It's it's poor. Um, There's a fair bit of experience in the back line though for Wraith Rovers, isn't there? Yeah, like I mean, so McDonald, Liam Dick's a good player as well, left back, you know, and uh, Kyle Benedictus as well. So I mean, Berra mm. coming in is a funny one. It's really split the Rover support. So there's. We had uh, Ian Davison, who I think was 39, and we traded him for Berra, who was 36. So there was kind of like, like why, why are we going with all these old guys? But I mean, Berra, to me, hasn't put a foot wrong. And, you know, yesterday he didn't put a foot wrong. You know what I mean? It's just that calm and influence at the back, I think, just really uh, made us really solid. Like you say, the goal was a bit of a wonder goal, you know? So we didn't really give up many chances. So once once we got noses in front, I, I was pretty confident that we would, we would hang on, or at least... Uh, do our best to hang on, which proved to be the case, which was great, obviously. So it was great, great to be back for the, in a quarter final for the first time since 1994. 
This is this is like usually when uh, we have Celtic fans on and guests, and it's always Tom Rodic. Tom Rodic. I feel like nineteen ninety four from Scott's point of view, we we'll just need to like bleep out for him. Or, uh, so that's basically what you're saying is you're going to win the cup this year. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm not. I'm not quite sure about that. I think. I think the draws. I mean, the draws a nice one for that sort of uh, comparison with that year. But I mean, it's a different era now. I think you know the the, the gap between the likes of Rangers and Celtic and Wraith now is like is, is huge. So I think to, to go if it was at Starks Park, maybe I would have a bit of belief. But I think Celtic Park. I think it's a case of uh, go go and take the payday, and uh, that'll be the end of our, our run. You know. So, but you know, as you said, you never know. Good thing is, though, it doesn't go to replays now, because in terms of, like, I think a replay always suited a bigger team. If it went to replay, yeah. you'd probably miss your chance, whereas now it's decided on the day, so you never know. I mean, Celtic obviously will be overwhelming favourites, but yeah. you we never played, know what happens in the day. We've played Celtic in the League Cup a few times over the last sort of 10 years, and they, they, they kind of always go the same way. We sort of do well, and then you kind of concede, and then, you know, I think we've scored a couple of times, but then, then sort of later on, Celtic sort of just go away, I think, so. I, I think I, I would struggle to, to imagine a scenario where we sort of beat Celtic. I think at Celtic Park, I think that that's. I mean, you think of the Premier teams who can't do that. You know, the Astros to do it. I think it's probably a bit of a stretch. But as you know, straight, strange well, things happen in football. So who knows? You're pulling that comparison. We played Dundee, who put you out. Not to bring it up. Uh, playoffs and we've hammered them six nothing. Like, yeah. Do you know what I mean? To be honest, and, and you know, it's funny last year because obviously we just missed out to them, and arguably, you know, uh, what's his name aside? Obviously, I can't even bear his name. What's his name? Charlie Adam aside. <laughs> uh, you know, there wasn't much difference between those teams. And actually, I, I saw that 6 0 result, and I kind of thought, thank God, that, that could have been us up there getting a hammer. You know what I mean? <laughs> obviously, you would have wanted to get promoted for the, the joy you would have had in it getting promoted, but. You know, I don't know. I, I quite like being in the championship. It's a sort of, uh, you know, a, a sort of nicer place to play football. Maybe that's a bit defeatist, but, you know, but yeah, that, that 6 0 just thought, oof, that could have been us, you know, taking a bit of a doing so. And it could be us in the quarter final, to be fair. So we'll see. Here, a question. We've got a few questions for you from various people, but I've got a question myself. See, in terms of championship, I've been to some championship games, like it's just a neutral and stuff like that. Do you tend, I don't know where, how many Premiership games, mind you, you've been to. Yeah. In terms of comparison for atmosphere in the Championship, do you think the atmosphere's kind of better? Like it's more a kind of hardcore support that go every week? Or? I'm, I'm not sure it's better. I mean, obviously you get games, if so, so as against Dunfermline, we're playing Dunfermline on Friday night, you know, it's obviously on the telly, but, um, you know, when that when we play Dunfermline, that, I mean, the atmosphere's up there and it's great. I live uh, quite near Tynecastle. Uh, so I have over the years sort of kind of gone, I've lived here for 20 years as well, so I have gone down to Tynecastle and you can't really beat a sort of a much bigger crowd, you know what I mean? I think it definitely does bring, uh, you know, a, a bit higher level of excitement. But having said that, I mean, the thing I love about supporting Wraith is just the sense of community and the size of it. And it yeah. doesn't, you know, there's all, there's all, always have, people always have these debates about big teams, wee teams, you know, and obviously Dunfermline try and use the whole wee team thing with Rovers. It doesn't really matter to me how many people are around about me. As long as there's enough to generate atmosphere, hear a few shouts, get a song going. Like yesterday, you know what I mean? Our crowd in at that end wasn't great. But actually, once we got singing and once, you know, Rover scored, it, you know, it, it, it's the same as anything, I think, you know. Aye. You're, you're not the first person who that says as a, a team of that kind of level, you prefer actually being the championship. I've got a mate that's a bottom fan. 
and always yeah. speak to me at the start of the season. I say, "Oh, what do you think for this season?" And recently, it's been pretty much doom and gloom. I don't know, we'll do that well and stuff like that. Yeah. But there was a point not long ago where they were kind of not far off the playoffs, and he, he, he was kind of like, "I don't want to go up. Like I prefer it in the the championship." But he even actually said at one point when they were struggling, "I'd be happy in League One because it's somewhere, it's different places to go." And yeah, I and think all that type of thing. I think it's funny. I mean, obviously, we've been down in League One quite a bit, and we've not been up in the in the top league for a long time since the so that sort of nineties when we had Jimmy Nicol. But um, I mean, League One's okay for a season or two, or even just a season if you win it. But getting stuck down there is no good because I think that's when the crowds there's just nobody in the way end. You know what I mean? That that's the, probably the most disparaging thing. Okay, you're winning more games, but. There's no, I mean, what I like going to the games is like banter between the fans and yep. stuff. You know? And if there's nobody there, or if there's twenty Stranraer fans, no offense to Stranraer, but it's like you can't get that, and you don't, you don't get that atmosphere. Whereas I think the championship's almost perfect in the sense that it's bigger clubs, so there's there's a bigger supports around the, the teams, and also, but it's not, it's not like too big. I mean, my experience in the in the Premier League back in the day when we were up there. Kind of similar, you know. What I mean, you were getting hammered, and yeah, you went to Ibrox and you went to Celtic Park, and that was a bit of a novelty. But it wasn't, you know. I, I'd rather be in the Championship as well, to be honest with you. So it sounds defeatist, but you know, <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure. I mean, the thing that always struck me when we went up in '92, '93, we went up with Kilmarnock, and obviously they have stayed up until they just came down last season. And if you ask me, would you want to be a Kilmarnock who just sort of pottered along in the Premier League or the top league? For years and years, yeah, they won a cup, but then kind of so did we. Or would you want to be us who's gone down to League One, back up, up to up to the Premier again, back down, down to League One? You know what I mean? I think promotions and stuff are what you remember, and actually that's that would me would be the argument for get promoted to the Premiership is actually being promoted. It would probably be more fun than the actual season in the Premiership where you you a club like Rovers is kind of up against it from the start, you know. Following on from that, then, would you have been against league reconstruction? Um, do you know, it's funny, because as a Rovers fan, you you, you sort of, uh, obviously, we benefited massively. We were a point ahead of Falkirk, um, I think. You know, and I think if you look at the bottom half of the Premier League and the top half of the Championship, I mean, there's not much difference between those teams. You know what I mean? We're probably the uh, smallest sort of aspiring full-time team, if you like. So... Um, but, you know, your Mortons, your Dunfermlands, your Falkirks even, I think, could live quite comfortably in a, in a bigger league. So there is an argument uh, for that. But, you know, I, I quite like the way the, the league, there's a lot of churn in the league and there's a lot of excitement in the league. So, you know, you can be a couple of points away, a couple of wins away from getting in the playoffs up the way or going down the way. I think that keeps it interesting. Uh, when the whole COVID thing struck, I mean, my preference would have been for to add two teams to the league, so to basically not not relegate Hearts, not relegate Thistle or Stranraer, and sort of let us and Falkirk go up and uh, whatever whoever it was at the top of the championship, um, second in the championship to go up as well, and just almost just say, look, for a year we'll have a slightly bigger league, we'll accept that, we'll not punish anybody, and you know less people lose out. So I think what happened and the whole court case and all that was just a shambles, really. You know, it didn't really benefit anybody. They certainly didn't benefit Hearts and Partick who got relegated and then kind of us and Dundee United were made out to be the bad guys because we were just going, look, we, we were top of the league by a point, you know. But, I mean, the, thing, the main thing for me from Rovers' point of view is I think last season we kind of demonstrated we deserved our place in that championship, you know what I mean? More, more than deserved. 
Um, we'd had a great season before, yeah, we were a point ahead of Falkirk, but there's nothing to guarantee they would have got above us for the last remaining game. So. That same season, these five kind of gave us a run for your money as well, did they not? Yeah, no, well, these five, I mean, that's the other thing. I mean, I think whatever you did was going to punish someday. So even if you had promoted us in Falkirk, the, you know, the teams that were below, it was still quite tight. Your Airdries and your East Fife and your Montroses were still hanging about in the playoff places. So they would have, they lost out as well, do you know what I mean? Which nobody ever talks about. So I think, but I don't know, I, I kind of like the leagues, the sort of size they are, you know, and, and you can get a bit of movement. And as I say, go back to it. To me, I mean, when I think back to watching Rovers, aside from that cup win, uh, or the Challenge Cup when you know, it's the promotions that I remember. So that movement between the league gives you promotions, gives you excitement, gives you great days, you know, listen mm. to the result coming in for somewhere else and, you know, and also gives you real downs of not, not managing to get up. But I think that's what makes, that's to me what makes football exciting when you get to that stage, you know, where you're, you're trying to win the league and you win it in the last day and stuff like that. So I don't know about yourself, but see that season where he's obviously got to go up into the Championship yeah, being a Celtic fan when we we won the league on the yeah. amount of points that we had, the same as yourselves. Yeah, up to that point, it didn't really feel. It didn't feel like a normal kind of. Yeah, sweet, a weird feeling. Like obviously, you knew you won it again. News knew you went up into the championship, but it's no. Yeah. You never really got a chance to celebrate. If that makes oh, exactly. sense, exactly. It was it was a difficult one, and I think uh, to be honest, that would have been the same if we'd have, if we'd have beat Dundee in that playoff last season. So while it was disappointing, I mean, what what actually would have happened if we'd have got promoted? I'd have been in my house watching the stream. You know what I mean? And yeah, you would go nuts, you know. But it's not the same as being at a ground and you know celebrating or going on the pitch or or whatever happens to be where you're at. I mean, some of the promotions Rovers have had over the years have just been great great days, you know, and absolute highs. So it wouldn't it wouldn't have been the same in the same way Celtic winning that, that league. Even, even as you're saying as well though, it's like you're talking about community as well. It's the folk around the beauty that make the kind of games that make the leagues up. Like it's that that they can they can have boys and women they they'd miss out on that as well. It's the camaraderie yeah. that, that you've you've had all the kinda of, I'm not saying cheap results and stuff like that, but you have like teams do and the levels have that and then it's all further days when you do get promoted. Yeah. And I it's think for, it's interesting because I, for the Rovers, I, I, I'm not doing it anymore, but for the past five years until sort of COVID happened, I ran their kids club. So we had a kids club called the Rory Club that was trying to get kids in. And these moments are absolute hooks for getting people involved and getting people excited. So when we started it, we'd just run the Ramsons Cup beating Rangers. And you see the joy of being able to go... Sorry, Steve, can you say that again? Hi, <laughs> <laughs> now we're lost in... <laughs> Oh, no. When we beat Rangers, <laughs> played them off the park. Well, not quite, but hey, it doesn't matter. When Baird slotted in, but like this, the summer after that, like we went round with the Rams, and it's just the Rams and Cup, you know what I mean? But people call it the Diddy Cup and stuff. And you know, if it hadn't been against, oh, Rangers, the League Cup's a Diddy Cup. The Diddy Diddy Cup. You know what I mean? It's, it's a bit of an, and some levels, a bit of a nonsense cup, but it gave us that great day out. And actually, being able to go around fairs and schools and stuff with the cup, even though it's just a challenge cup on that level, got people excited and talking about Rovers and interested in their local club. So promotions to me are exactly the same. They get people in the community excited about it. And if, if you if you support a team like Rovers, it is a, is a community-based club, it's a town, and this is your club, then these are the opportunities to get people involved and get people excited about it rather than thinking, I'm going to get on a bus, no offence, and go through to Glasgow to support Rangers or Celtic or whatever, which obviously we've always got a battle against. But uh, I think, so that's why I think, you know, 
promotions are, are, are and, and cup wins or like yesterday a big cup win just just gets excitement and that to me that's the days you sort of remember when you look back you know it wasn't that a great day when we, we beat Aberdeen two one at start five. Definitely agree. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird though, like, in terms of like even last season when we had folk on, like Nori obviously keeps on going on about I St Johnson, we won two cups and all that. But it must have been such a a weird. What your best season ever in history, and you didn't really get to enjoy it properly. We had yeah. Greg, who used to be a regular on the podcast back in the day, a Motherwell fan. At some point before, I think Motherwell was still in the cup at whatever at the point. And we kind of he kind of mentioned like. I actually don't think I would enjoy as winning the cup this year. He, he would enjoy it, but it would yeah. feel like a proper victory. It, it's kind of weird. I, think, it, I mean, I feel I actually feel for St. Johnson fans to have had that season and kind of had to sat in your house and not even get to any of the finals. You know what I mean? And it's criminal that there was no fans at that Scottish Cup final, even just a, like a token amount, you know what I mean? To be able to there and, and watch it. Because again, you go back to, I, I keep going back to 94, but it is our one proper cup win if you like um, you know the, the memories around that of the day of afterwards of in Kirkcaldy just everything about it you know what I mean was fantastic so to kind of be deprived of that and yeah I'm sure it was great sitting in your house watching the telly going nuts when they scored but in the final whistle but it's just not the same as being in that stand and singing and you know that's what makes football great is, is doing it together so it's been a real a real heartbreak really I think that People have not had the opportunity to do that together. This is probably going to be a daft question, right? But as a Wraith Rovers fan, I take it 94 and winning that cup's your greatest memory, or is it different? Do you know, obviously, I mean, obviously that whole era was just amazing, you know, to for, for a club to even go up to the, to the Premier League for me. And I think, I always think myself very lucky. And being a bit older, I started supporting the Rovers, like, in the sort of, mid 80s early 80s mid 80s when we were absolutely dire right you know really poor so actually but you know with hindsight i've had that and had that experience of being in the bottom league you know all that stuff all the sort of misery of that to me made 94 even more even sweeter and i think i think also there's all there was also a sense of this is a one-off you know what i mean this is probably going to be a once we weren't going to win the league get into europe and become this big club we're always going to be kind of struggling. So, and even when we got into Europe, and I went to all three games in Europe, or the three away games, as well as the home games, obviously, and there was just a sense of, like, this is our moment. This might be the only time this happens in my lifetime. And actually, I'm just lucky to be here and lucky to be an age. You know, I've got pals at the Rovers who are like 14, 13, 14, didn't they get to go to Munich because they were yeah. too young? You know what I mean? And I'm like, oh, I was like just sort of like 1920, went to Munich and it was amazing, you know. So just to be able to have those experiences, but yeah. But in terms of actual moments, it's funny the the semi-final was a is probably my favorite moment because that was when we we sort of well, winning it was obviously amazing, but we kind of we were up against it in the semi-final. We played Airdrie. We were playing them off the park. We were winning one 0 and our goalie Scott Thompson got sent off. Got replaced by a seventeen-year-old sort of YTS uh, goalkeeper, and we got through the penalties. And him saving the penalty to win is a, is is my absolute favourite moment because I'd come from all Rovers. We've mucked it up. You know, we've fucked it up again. <laughs> we're always just get almost get there, but we never got over the line. And that was the moment of actually getting over the line. Didn't even matter who we got in the final or just being in a final, 
uh, was just like, I can't believe we're in a cup final, like a proper cup final, where everybody in Scotland went in for it, and we were sort of one of the last two standing. But yeah, that, I mean, that era was absolutely glorious. I mean, from the League Cup win to getting promoted twice to playing in Europe, playing Bayern Munich, leading in the Olympic Stadium, just almost laughable you know what I mean it was such a great experience it was and, and my favourite my favourite moments I've told this a few times but my favourite moment was at half time in Olympic Stadium we'd obviously lost 2-0 on the home leg at Easter Road and then we went there and we were winning 1-0 and there was this this really old guy in the, in the queue for the pie stand like at half time and obviously the place is just buzzing we've just gone 1-0 up and he's like you know we can beat these bastards <laughs> And I kind of knew it wouldn't, but it was just that belief and like excitement, and you, you can't, you can't really. If you're again, if you're a, if you're a club like Ray, you can't. You you got a bottle of that, and, and like I, still the League Cup win playing in Europe. When you tell these stories and talk to people about it, it still makes me smile years later. You know, we're twenty what, twenty five years later plus, uh, and obviously uh, encouraged me to write a book about it because I loved it so much and I love that team so much. You know. Just great characters in that team as well. Talking of characters, we've been lucky enough to have Ali Graham on a few times, and he yeah. <laughs> he's just brilliant. You could talk to Ali Graham for days. I think he just <laughs> loves talking about, it, especially his time at Wraith, because uh, even for himself, he maybe never. And I'm no pain him a disrespect here, but he never maybe got to play exactly where he wanted to play in terms of top top. But to play in that era, the nineties as a special. Maybe it's just because of my age. I'm probably yeah. similar age to yourself. That era just seems like. For Scottish football, aside from Rangers bloody dominating things for so long, the mid, I suppose the 80s, 90s was almost like proper football. Yeah. I think it's diluted now a bit. It was it was pre-Bosman. I mean, I, I don't want to sound like the old guy moaning, but it was pre-Bosman. And the you know, what I mean, and obviously the players deserve this and that, but it was kind of, you know, I mean, it was probably the last era where a team like Rovers could kind of get all the way through and challenge because the gap wasn't, it was huge, but it wasn't like totally insurmountable, which I think it probably is now, you know. And okay, it might happen again with some sort of freakish group of players, but it was just a, a more honest, it feels like a more honest, you know. And what, what I loved about when I wrote the Rovers book and spoke to folk like Ali Graham and your, you know, obviously there's people who are still in the game, like who, who were still in the game then, like your Jimmy Nichols and Colin Cameron's and DLs and stuff. But there was a, there's a lot of those guys who are like, they're back in the real world working and just yeah. normal jobs. You know, your Davy Sinclair's and Julian Broddle, mm -hmm. all, all these characters that were great players. And, you know, they were more than happy to just talk about that era because obviously for them, it was like, a, it was a, it was not just us, a golden era for us as fans. It was a golden era for them as well. Cause, and there was a real uniqueness about Rovers at that time, I think, and the, the squad and, and the size of the club and everything just just made this sort of solid unit that just sort of started sweeping people away before it, you know, which was, was great to watch. Well, right and saying you brought Bayern Munich back for a friendly. Yeah, yeah, we, we, we obviously, we, we lost to them in the end and then we uh, we used the money from that and we sold, uh, I don't know if you remember, Stephen McInespy, we sold him at Bolt Wanderers off the back of the European run and uh, we used the money from that and the, and, and the Bayern game to build basically what the stand is now, the mm. big ends. Because obviously there's that nonsense rule of you have to have 10,000 seats, which for us is far too many, you know what I mean? 
Yeah, I know that was a good rule. That was a great rule. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, I, I, was, I was laughing when you COVID... just here to have digs at Aberdeen. <laughs> I, I was laughing when COVID struck because I was thinking, right, if we socially distance, finally this stupid big white elephant of a stadium coming useful. We can all have a reach. You know what I mean? It's like there's there's two and a half thousand of us. We can all have a reach because we've got a stupid big stadium that's far too big for 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 our needs. Has too many seats. You know, but. Um, yeah, we we bought Bayern Munich back, and we beat them one 0 as well. I mean, it was also, mm-hmm. I don't think it was. A, I think maybe did they play Celtic the same week or something? I can't remember, but uh, it was a it was a good night. They opened the ground officially, and uh, we we beat them one 0 But I think Oliver Kahn was in goals, but there, there wasn't many big names there that night. But, uh, but still, Bayern Munich at Starts Park, but isn't it? We still say we can beat them. Well, everybody's got the the photo of the half time in Munich, though, and actually, there's a big poster of it up at Starts Park of you. Know, Wraith Rovers won Bayern Munich nil, you know, the halftime score in the Olympic Stadium. It's just, uh, it's just, yeah, again, just just great, great memories and great, great times going to those games. We went to Iceland, we went to the Faroe Islands, just brilliant, brilliant trips, you know. Amazing. Who was your most interesting character that you interviewed then for the book and Unthinkable then? Well, actually, probably my, f- I mean, they're all my favourites. And, and one of the difficulties interviewing them was you had to kind of be professional and not just go, I love you guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, I mean, the Frank Connor, uh, uh, big Celtic connections, uh, mm. an absolute character. Because one of the things I did with the book was obviously everybody knows Jimmy Nickel and that squad, but it was kind of Frank Connor that kickstarted it. So we were in the same division as it was the bottom tier. He came in. Just basically, almost did what McGlynn is doing with Wraith now, just professionalised him and turned him around. He'd been kind of sacked from Celtic and was really kind of hurt from that, you know. And he was sort of wanting to prove himself, you know. So uh, so he came to Wraith and just turned us around, got us up the first season, got us like, to the point of being a, a really good like first division, as it was called then, team. And got the youth system that produced your Crawfords, your Camerons, Jason Dare, all, all these Sean Dennis, all these guys that were the, the guys who went on to win the cup for us. And he he was just a great, great character. I mean, I phoned, I got his number, I phoned him up, and uh, I mean I was on the phone for like 45 minutes just arranging a time to speak to him. He's <laughs> <laughs> like Colombo, just just one just one thing. After about after about 10 minutes, I thought, shit, I better start recording this because he's like telling me stories. But like, you know, so I literally was on the phone for about 45 minutes just to set up an interview so and obviously <laughs> actually interviewing him he's, he's got great stories and stuff and uh, it was a really nice moment actually because I went I took the book uh, around his house you know after it came out and stuff and uh, <laughs> and uh, I spoke to Jock McStay later on and uh, I, I don't think you because obviously Frank was full of you know fuck this fuck that and, you know full of great stories of like what he said to players you know he was very old school Obviously, I included all that in the book, and I, th- I think after he read it, he was a bit like, you know, it was a bit too much swearing there for, <laughs> for me, you know. So I think, I don't think his wife was happy with the levels of swearing in there, but uh, but no, he was he was an absolutely great character. Even folk like John McStay, who I interviewed at Celtic, he's obviously he's at Celtic Park now, so mm-hmm. uh, that was the bizarrest thing. He was the first person I interviewed for the book. So the first place I went to go interview somebody was Celtic Park. So I was sort of walking in a wee bit sheepish, you know. Going, Did you have your Wraith Rovers top on? I didn't have a Wraith Rovers top on. <laughs> That's the classic 94 on. <laughs> I, I was walking in a wee bit sheepish going like, I'm here to interview somebody for a book about 94. But I mean, I think, as I said, you know, uh, he, his cousin, obviously, Paul McStay, Mr. Bentley, I mean, the fact that Paul McStay, uh, you know, got in touch and said, yeah, that's fine, I'll happily 
contribute to it. I mean, as a as a as a testament, I think to him, particularly uh, you know one of the, probably the worst moment in his career. But to be able to sort of put that aside and recognise what Lewis has done, and the fact that it was worth talking about, I think was well, just amazing as well. But yeah, no, those, all those characters, Gordon Bell was obviously a huge character. Do you remember the game? <laughs> you, you hear him on Clyde One, and he he asked, he asked about Enna, and I played. He played with he played with Ange Postecoglou. I heard on Saturday. Is that right? He, he had no recollection of it. Uh, <laughs> no, it's funny. I mean, the, the thing was, it was when I wrote it. It was twenty years ago as well. So there was there was a few stories, and then people would tell me, "No, that didn't happen." You know, so <laughs> I had to put a disclaimer at the start, going like, "These are the stories as 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 told to me." Yeah, I think I think some players, obviously. I mean, obviously, DL had a. a, a, a a much sort of broader career, you know, managerial, managerial as well, than some mm-hmm. of the others. So I, they, they, his, his recollections of it probably are, are not as sharp. But I mean, he was obviously a key part of that team. And I'd come on the whole journey from the second division. He, he was signed by Frank Connor. And uh, I mean, it, it, it's in the book, the story, but the story was, you know, I think DL, had, he'd been at Rangers, he'd gone to Man City, got his big move, sort of lost his way. You know, was sort of, he had his head turned by all the sort of money and cars and all, all the usual things footballers get. And he kind of like come back to Partick, and he ended up at East Stirling. So he was—that's how Frank Connor saw him because Rovers were playing East Stirling. He's like, "There's Dale, you know, that overweight." And you know, like, and then apparently, like uh, the next week, Dale, uh, you find out where he lived, and Frank Connor turned up at his doorstep, and and Dale tells the story, you know, like he opened the door, like he'd never met Frank Connor. He's like, "No, he was by reputation." But he opened the door. There's Frank Connor, like all in his suit, all well dressed, and he's like, first words he says to Dale was. You're an arsehole, you know, and he's like, <laughs> "You're coming to my door, telling me an arsehole, you know." But obviously, he was like, "You know, you should be playing at a higher level and like come to Rovers, and I'll get you sort of back to what, what, where you should be, type of thing, you know." So uh, no, he he had great great stories and stuff of of um, so he you do love hearing that, like you love hearing stuff like that. Uh, no, I he, I mean, he tells a story as well, like because obviously Frank Connor and DL lived in the same sort of area, sort of Motherwell area, Hamilton area. And was like, you know, I said, he, he said, right, I'll take you training, you know, give me, give me a week, and like, I'll get you back, sort of, see, see how you go. And then he says, Dale, like, says first morning, he, the, 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 he looks at his window, oh, it's a bit rainy, you know, I can't get arse for this. He said, I'll just, I'll no bother putting on boots, I'll go along and train her. So he goes, comes along, you know, Frank, turns up Frank Connor and Dale's going right. Uh, Connor goes right, come on, right, do this, and he's going, Frank, I've got boots on, the grass is a bit wet. I've not got boots on, the grass is a bit wet. Can he do it, you know? He's like, what size are you? And he opens up his boot and he's got like hundreds of boots in there. <laughs> like, seven, there you go. Like, get yourself moving, you know. And he said that Dale was like, I realised at that point I can't get anything past this guy, you know, he's gonna but I mean he obviously he's like the worst record scorer and he as I said, he he went from that journey from the second division right up to that final and scoring the goal in the final, which was just classic him, you know. So no, great, great characters and, and great stories. It's it's just sort of a Absolute honour to like interview these guys and chat to them and meet them, you know, and, and tell their story as well. So, and the great thing is when we do the podcast and we talk to these guys and guests and stuff like that, they are just normal, regular guys. Like, yeah. generally, when you get chatting to them, they love just chatting about their memories of football. And yeah. obviously, I mean, as fans, none of us have been lucky enough to maybe play, we don't want to play for our club, they've got to play at a level that we can only dream of. And let's face it, they all say they would love to repeat it all again. Yeah. It must just be like being at school and your boy or your pals. 
every day. Uh, I mean, the thing that came through with the Rovers book was it literally was like, I'm doing this with my mates. I think I remember Stevie Crawford uh, interviewing him and he was going, you know, like, it's, it's like he said, when the final whistle went in the League Cup and like they'd won it and he was just like, you know, going, like, I'm playing with my mates, you know, I'm just, I'm getting played to play, I'm getting paid to play football. I mean, he would have been like 20, 21 maybe. Yeah. I'm paid to play football. I'm playing with my mates. We've just won a cup, you know, like, I'll, I love these guys, you know what I mean? They're just they're just a group of guys together, just sort of working together. And, you know, they they still talk about it, even when they get together. Now, obviously, they're heroes in Kakodi. So, and and we've had a Hall of Fame and all this sort of stuff recently, which has been great because it means these guys get honoured and, you know, get, get the sort of credit they deserve. And they were saying, you know, when, when they come back together for, like, these anniversaries and stuff, it's like just being back with your mates and it's like he's been back in that dressing room and, and the ribbon and the banter and the ones who get taken made fun of or taking the mickey out of it all just starts again you know <laughs> it's, like, it's like you've not been away but you as I think Stevie Crawford said we're all a bit older a bit fatter but you know the, the atmosphere is just exactly the same you know so so yeah I mean again it's, it's like anybody I guess if you've experienced it's been a really positive time of life the great people around you that sticks with you forever you know I suppose we should talk about the SLA Cup, eh? Oh. Just keep going about the Rovers, it's good. It's good. Uh, we'll we'll yeah. definitely come back to the Rovers, we definitely will. Uh, so, Celtic are super, like, superb in attack now, aren't they? Just that defence is still a bit ropey. Can we bring Stephen back to the earth here? Can I give a wee start? Yeah. So, so um, we had 35 shots. Is that right? 11 on target. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, Hearts, Hearts had five. You only scored three goals though. That's like pretty poor. Mate, if you think about it. I'm going to hold my hands up here. Laurie's on. Laurie was on at the start of the season, and me and him had a wee discussion about um, him that shall not be mentioned that plays in goals for Hearts. That I don't really <laughs> like. His name's a swear word to me. <laughs> nah, Craig Gordon. Honest to God, mate, he answered a blinder of a game. He did. See if you go, you go and watch the highlights. He was pulling off save after save. And then he actually he actually let himself down. See for I don't know if you've seen Kyogo's goal. It actually it goes through his hands. He just flaps it. So I was sort of half watching it. I saw it. I out of football at this point. So I, as soon as the Aberdeen <laughs> game was, uh, I think I seen a wee bit. I seen a wee bit in the first half. To be fair with the Celtic game, uh, but I was going out actually afterwards. So. So that's why the realize you've walked out the you've walked out in the half where we bottle in your hand that I'm not watching that shit anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Never watching football again. <laughs> the, the new top that I got on Friday, it's binned. It was it's now the unlucky top. Never never to be seen again. For, forcing yourself to watch the hundred, the cricket on the sky and that, yeah, it's that bad. <laughs> what time's Antique Roadshow on that? <laughs> yeah, I, I did get back in the house and I had grand plans of watching the Hearts game, but then I went on Premiere, I've just got it on my phone. And then it said, replay, Aberdeen Rovers. I was like, oh, yeah, let's do one. <laughs> look, look at the score, and it was 2 0 to Celtic. I thought, well, that's done and dusted. Like, just let's go watch the Rovers build up and watch the Rovers goals again, you know. So I got a bit distracted by that. It's funny because one of my mates, he's quite notorious for, like, if there's a game on and he can't make it, he will watch the game back. He'll manage to somehow, I don't know how in this day and earth you can avoid scores, but he manages to avoid, right? So he told me before, I'm on my way out, I'm taping the game. So I knew not to talk to him about the game. See it full time. I was so tempted to go. Honestly, don't bother. Just don't bother. <laughs> don't, don't waste your time. <laughs> I have, I've got a story of like watching a delayed game that's verging on the ridiculous. I don't know if you remember that. I'm trying to remember what year it was. I think it was '94 as well when Dundee United beat Rangers one 0 with Craig Brewster. 
Right, aye, yeah. So I had, I, we had gone to America. Well, I'd gone to America for work, so which was not a usual thing. It was a real treat. And it was like, I was like, yeah, I'm getting to go to America, like to this conference. And then uh, I looked and thought, oh, shit, it's Scottish Cup weekend. So I thought, right, I'll record it. So I recorded it. And we went to America and I went on a holiday. So it was a week later I got back after the game had been played. Obviously in America, in those days, you were never going to find out the score. But we got, but we flew back to Manchester and then we were waiting on the Glasgow flight. I lived in Glasgow at the time. The flight, and I was like, right, no, we're not sitting in the bit because we'll find out the score. And like, as if anybody would be talking about it a week later. So we sat in a different bit and then finally got on the plane, got in the, like, I was walking through Glasgow Airport, just keeping my head down. You know, see somebody in a ranger ship going, oh, did that mean the one? And then got in the taxi, you know, just talked amongst ourselves, got home. And like, first thing I did was like, watch this recording. So it was literally seven days after it had been played. I sat and watched Rangers against Dundee United and was cheering when Craig Brewster scored the goal 1-0 up. So I was like, you can never get away with that these days, you know? Like a whole week of not finding out the score. You need to fling your phone away, man. You no, exactly. It's like you can barely go 10 minutes without knowing what's going on. Uh, he manages it most weeks. He manages to avoid this. I'm like, how on earth do you manage to do that? You must be his only pal, John. You can't have anybody else to talk to. He, he does have it, I think I'm probably his only maybe as other pal sports Aberdeen, I think. I think anyone yeah. else that he's got pals wise, maybe or maybe they, they'll know as well if there's a game he sometimes watches it later on. Like I mean as in like you I'm trying to think. Red T V do get used to do games it'd be like at midnight and stuff like that. So he'd wait until like the next day. It's not even as if he was waiting just to like a couple hours after the game. He'd wait till like Sunday morning, watch the game. Then I got a message from him like Sunday afternoon was into the game. I was like, I can't even remember that. <laughs> So, aye. My brother, my brother does that as well because he's like, I'm recording it, so don't don't tell me. But it's that it's that dilemma. If it's been awful, you do kind of want to go. Look, don't really don't bother, you know. This is it's, it's no worth it, you know. But on the flip side, when we beat Dunfermline five one, my brother had been out, so he's like, don't tell me the game, don't tell me the score. I'll be watching it when I get back about ten o'clock at night. So obviously we won five one. It was and I was like so wanting to go. <laughs> oh yeah, it's brilliant, you know. So I got I got a message after midnight going, how good was that? You know, just unbelievable. To be fair, I've watched a few European games after the night before uh, because I can't mind it for being paralytic, but it's a different thing with the German. Aye, that is a different story. Aye. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> but aye, it's all good though, isn't it? Celtic Park again, mate. Aye, honestly, God, you're talking about the back there. Aren't? I don't think we really done much wrong, to be honest. Starfield took the touch for the for what was the Hearts penalty, and Boyce was brilliant. Boyce, Boyce had a bit of blistering pace for over five yards, just gets in front of him, and he knows the kick's coming. He knows he's going to kick him there yeah? because he's got to put the ball up the park, and it's just just a wee bit of slackness. And then for the for the second goal as well, you're like twenty seconds left, and I think they'd all just switched off. You're three one up there. Yeah? Aye, I did watch the build-up though and I, I can't remember if it was Michael Stewart or Chris Sutton and one of them made the point about with the system that he plays the centre-backs almost need to be your best players mm-hmm. in a way or best passers of the ball so is that maybe what he's done because I can't mind if, we, if I brought this up before but Julian's not exactly a, much as he's he's tall and all that he doesn't like the physical Starfelt looks as well as if that's no his thing he's maybe another kind of ball-playing type defender so is that <laughs> That that at time could unhinge you, I think. It was the ball, the ball playing kind of stuff that kind of done him though for the penalty because he was trying to get the ball into play, and it's just I think it's just been a real lapse in concentration. 
it's going to happen now again when you're playing out for the back because it happens to midfielders trying yeah. to play for, through the middle of the park. It just happens. And it is, it's, it's risky to do it, but there was a point as well in the game where we were playing it across the back four, trying to get it out. And my, my wee dad, he's sitting next to me and he's like your typical like dad watching football getting so agitated and, yeah, I bought the pack. <laughs> and I've passed it, passed it. And the next thing, Joe Hart's played it right in the Cal McGregor and we've broke forward. I say, see, what's wrong with that? Oh, I can't agree with that. I can't agree with that. <laughs> but it's, but honestly, we're playing great football. It is, it's good to watch. And Kyogo as well, him and Edward, well, for the first, was it, the first goal and the second goal, the two of them are paramount to how it worked. Kyogo for Welsh's goal takes a quick corner to Edward and Edward puts the ball in the box. You're like, they're just they were two of them are sharp thinkers and the movement's brilliant off the two of them. Yeah. Oh, it stays. I suppose that's the good thing from this point of view. What you've got two weeks to go to the well, aye, two weeks tomorrow. This is Monday by recording till the window closes. I've said before, I think Edward will stay and he'll just pick his club in January, probably. But if you can have Edward back to what he can play like and Kyogo Furiashi, who already looks like he's going to be an absolute hero for Celtic. I know it's very early days, but he's straight away. And see, when you make that quick impact to being a hero, that's you. You're, it'll just build because he'll rub off it. He'll, he'll build in that. Mm. That's a, it's a scary prospect potentially for defences. I keep hearing about Edward doesn't want to be there. I keep, folk keep saying that as well. But see, yesterday as well, you see his reaction to his own goal. And you can just tell it was a weight off his shoulders when he's put the ball in the net. Like it's. It must be getting slaughtered every week for the press and it's coming from everywhere. And the big man's, it looks like it is, he was getting away off his shoulders when he scored. It was, it was brilliant all day yesterday and it was good the week before as well. I, I just think he needs a good run of games with the young man as well. Yeah, he needs to play with Kyogo and the two of them will complement each other brilliantly. I suppose it might help as well. If the window closes, he's still there. He just concentrates on football for mm. four months. Get me sign another deal so we can get money off him. That's what I'm wanting. Well, you would think he would maybe do that <laughs> as a respectful thing, wouldn't you? Yeah. Uh, it's sort of a gentleman's agreement as well, isn't it? A gentleman's like, agreement, does... no, with a previous manager, or is it not? That's the problem. No, but I, I mean, like, sir, if we're talking about signing another contract to get money back, you've got, like, sir, Stuart Armstrong done it with Celtic. His, his year was coming up, and he added another year on it, knowing he was getting away in there. Yeah. Maybe go away in the January for a bit of money to bring him to the club as well. So, I don't know. Just, just see what happens. Play it. We're winning the league, but tell me that now. <laughs> You've turned a corner, yeah. <laughs> oh. First game, of the, Stephen, the first game of the season, everybody had his beat. Everybody was saying hand Rangers the league already. Yeah. We had to go to the players, did not we? You know what I mean? We, we hadn't even... <laughs> to be fair, I was one of the folk that says, Jesus Christ, we've got Tony Ralston at right back. Tony Ralston has been one of the best players in the league so far. Honest to God, I don't know what's happened. It must, it, it, it must be somebody else. It must be somebody else that's said it's not that laddie. He's oh, but then like, it, leaps and bounds like. Yeah, depends on the impact the manager has. You know what I mean? If that manager's come in and it clicks, and you know, you see players that are, that are dreadful, and then they go somewhere else and they just spark off and mm-hmm. uh, they, they take off and become brilliant players. You know. They must be telling him he's careful or something, honestly. <laughs> it's maybe though as well, like in following on from Stephen's point, 
I suppose now in this day and age, it's not just you get managers, you get head coaches. So maybe Big Ange is a coach. Like he actually is one of those guys that's hands-on and he's like, right, let's coach this guy to be better. He sees potential in him. He was all right when he first came through, Ralston. I do remember when he first came through. He looked all right. I know he got thrown in a bit bit at the deep end, didn't he, when he first came in? Yeah, he had his moment where when uh, Neymar and that kind of it was after that he kind of he kind of fell back down the peck murder again I kind of know I think I kind of maybe knocked the lad again spoken about it before he went on loan to St Johnston and sometimes wasn't even getting a game but he expects again it's not been big heated he expects somebody for Celtic to be going to a team like that on loan to be playing just about every week here yeah. and he wasn't getting that so you're wondering what was happening there but as you say, it's, it could be the new manager coming in that's done it to him. A bit of confidence. The majority of football is 70% ability, 30% confidence, I think. Like, that's, yeah. a, that's how you get the best out of the players, yeah. Player, the player at Rovers that sticks out for me is Kevin Nisbet. And he came to Rovers and Park Russell fans almost kind of laughed. And they're like, he's, he's a dud, do you know what I mean? What are you signing him for? And obviously McGlynn started that process of turning around. I mean, you see him at the Euros, you know, it's like playing for Scotland. So you can, it depends, you know, it just sometimes there's just not a fit at clubs or, or, or the opposite. There is a fit between personalities and that confidence can come. And then a player who looked ordinary can start to fly and start to look really good, you know, if they get that confidence behind them. Now, they're talking about him getting his big move as well, aren't they? The likes of Nisbet. No, yes. I've heard. I've heard a lot of Celtic fans as well, again, to talk about Celtic, but they keep, there's folks saying, do this, get rid of, well, I've seen some of the devils saying, get rid of Griffiths, try and get him to Hibs and get Nisbet and money towards Hibs as well. Eh? Like, the boy is a bit of a baller. Like, I've seen his stats last year and they were comparing him and comparing him in Shankland for going to Euros. Shankland was nowhere near the level Nisbet's at. Yeah. Man's phenomenal, eh? I mean, what we had, uh, what's his name, Nisbet, and then uh, when Rovers played Queen of the South, I forgot the guy's name, it's a big Australian guy, <laughs> playing for Scotland. So the, the two of them were like, you know, playing in a championship. Oh, Dykes. Dykes, yeah, Lyndon Dykes, sorry, yeah. So Lyndon Dykes and Nisbet were playing in a Rovers Queen of the South, you know, playoff to go up to stay, either stay in the championship or go up to the championship. So, you know, in a couple of years, they were then leading the line for Scotland at a Euros. So. <laughs> Things can change massively, you know. Uh, definitely, definitely. Um, I don't know, but just what do you think? Is it, how do you think these are going to do this season? I think, yeah, I, th- I think this season will be a bit of a struggle. I think going back to the old get it up the park stuff, you know, it's it interesting because we obviously play from the back, uh, as you saw yesterday as well, you know, and, and there's a few hairy moments. And I think we could do that and, and uh, McGlynn could get us doing that last season because there was no fans, because there was none of that, get it forward, get it up the park. So we saw them playing that way and, and having success with it. I think this season, uh, there's a little bit, even yesterday there was a little bit, uh, get it forward type of thing, you know, don't, don't be arsing around at the back. But we, I think the main thing for us is just losing Reagan Henry, who obviously came from Celtic as well. I mean, he just was a, a great player for us and he was that sort of engine in the midfield that just linked absolutely everything and I think we're kind of you know even though being Aberdeen we're still kind of struggling I think to replace him and and and, and replace that quality so and he's easy off to a flyer at Forest Green Overs as well uh, mm. down south so I think losing him was a blow 
So I think we probably will will struggle a bit. But again, you never know. Yesterday, I mean, Hamilton game, you know, for 70 minutes, I thought, this is it. We're winning the league when we're 4-0 up. You know, like, <laughs> the first game of the season, I thought, yes, is it. You know, we're back. We're playing the way we were playing last season. We're winning this league. No bother. There's no hearts to worry about. But uh, obviously, then we had the last last 15 minutes. But um, So I don't know. I think it, it can go either way, I think. But I think over the, the course of a season, I think probably there's clubs where more resources than us here players. Yeah, you think avoid really, really playoffs? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I mean, I'm, you never know where overs. I can go either way, but I, I think we should. I mean, ideally, I think hopefully we would get in the playoffs again. That, that would be my sort of ambition, but I, I think it's a tight league of championship, so you can win one week and, and struggle the next week, so it, it's difficult, but hopefully I think we'll have enough to get above the Arbroaths and Mortons and Airs of this, this world. Yeah. You see the top. Well, you're talking about Hamilton there. See the turmoil at them already with Brian yeah. Rice gone. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. So, so I think I, I don't. Know, I'm, I'm hopeful. You know that we can uh, we can have another good season. Uh, pro- probably won't go up. I don't think, but because we're probably slightly weaker than we were last season. But we'll see. See on the subject of Regan Hendry, Aberdeen were linked with him, and obviously it never came to. He ended up down south. Do you reckon yeah. if he'd gone to Aberdeen, he would have uh, got a place in the starting lineup? You good enough, like you think, or? I mean, I I think he was. I mean, I'm obviously biased, but I mean, uh, the the game that I sort of really thought when we played Livingston uh, a couple of seasons ago uh, when we were in League One and we played them and uh, and you know we got beat three one I think in the end for sort of two minutes of madness near the end. But the way he played in that game, I just thought you can easily hold your own in the Premiership here. You know, there's there's no danger. The, the skill he had, I'm surprised. Aberdeen or Hibs or somebody didn't, didn't take a sort of punt on him and, and, and give him a go. I mean, I'm kind of glad that he's not in Scotland anymore and yeah. not in the Championship to score against us as well. But <laughs> uh, so uh, hopefully it works out for him. But no, he was a he was a great player. For, again, it, it depends on the fit. You know, if the fit's right, then you can fly. If, if it's not, then these guys sometimes lose their way. But uh, yeah. I definitely could have job, done a job in the Premiership easily. Aye, because I was talking about it for a while. I don't know whether it was more so than... Maybe McInnes was interested before he went, but even when Glass came in, there was still talk about it for a wee bit, and then it kind of went under the radar that he kind of went down south. So I think people are still thinking he would stay yeah. in Scotland in some some way. I think the he one, would have might have been linked with him as well at yeah. one point. I mean, the one thing I'll say about him is he doesn't kind of make the obvious choice. I mean, obviously he was at Celtic. He came to us on loan. He obviously had, and then when he was coming, when he left Celtic, Celtic let him go. Yeah, he probably could have ended up higher up than Rovers in League One, but actually he came. He made the choice to come to Rovers because he'd been there and he knew what it was like, and he knew McGlynn. and and I, and I think so. He, he kind of makes sort of intelligent choices, if you like. He's he doesn't just jump at the first sort of first thing opportunity to move. So obviously he's, he's, he's some something about Boris Green Rovers has attracted him, you know. So it's you know people usually don't go to that sort of level. So we'll see how he gets on, but hopefully he, he does well. Um, in terms of the rest of the League Cup, it's difficult to kind of talk about it too much. I know the Rangers game was on on Friday, and to be honest, I've never seen it. Their back to being superb, supposedly, because they won, what, 5 now against Inferman. Um The other games, I've never seen any other games. Highlights, because I don't think Premier Sports does a highlights package, do they? Well, I was trying to get it on YouTube earlier, and you could only get a bit of the Celtic game. It was like four minutes. It was a minute and a half. Your game yesterday. Yeah, it's really good. Aye, the Rangers game as well was, well, you got a good bit of the Rangers game, but after they went to an up, I turned it off. Eh? 
<laughs> you would think at least if Premier Sports are going to sponsor it, they could at least have a half hour goal show or something. Something. Mm-hmm. But nah, you're, you're on the plums. St. Johnson obviously almost got a shock as well, but they came through um, on the back of their defeat in, at home against Galatasaray. But aside from that, we'll maybe talk a wee bit about Europe. Obviously, it's coming up again. Uh, a weird situation whereby two clubs get knocked out, but actually we've still got four teams in Europe. Um, it's bizarre. I still think it's crazy. And I would say that even if my team was benefiting from it, the whole drop-down system, it, it's just crazy. Once you're out, you're out. But on the flip side, we say uh, many a time, at least some Scottish teams should be in the group stages automatically. That would help the, the situation. Um, obviously, I saw the Aberdeen game. It was fairly comfortable, fairly routine, so I don't really need to talk about that. St. Johnson, I seen the first, that must have been the first half hour in the game before I switched on to Aberdeen game. St. Johnson looked right in the tie, and then the next thing I know, I think I drink something in the WhatsApp chat. I said, St. Johnson are holding on here. And then Galadas and I ended up running away with it. Adam, mm-hmm. we watch it walking into the ground at Celtic Park as well, and then you end up walking in. I don't know if I've got a blocker or something like that, and next thing, the full, full stream went, eh? but they were looking good up to that point. Yeah. And they had a go, I think, but I mean, I think Galatasaray, I watched it all, had a bit too much quality for them, really. So it's a, it's a shame, but I mean, was, again, it looked like a great night at McDermott as well. The place was full and, you know, right back. If, so, if somebody was to say to you at the start of the season, St. Johnson will score three goals against Galatasaray, you'd go, nah, <laughs> not having that. Yeah. I did notice, though, it looked like there were some maybe cheeky Turkish fans in the home end. Some of them with St. Johnson tops, they certainly looked like they were Galatasaray fans. <laughs> a few. Um, but fair play no, they're still in Europe though that's the thing they now drop into the conference and maybe a tie that I think they've given a chance in I think Is uh, Sky recognising that there's this conference league yet? They by have the now they recognised it they started recognising it well, last week because I before that they hadn't recognised it at all so I was I was checking but interestingly enough now it seems to be well, they still do this. I suppose they've got their obsession about England. So even though, I suppose, uh, arguably you would say Europe's the highest, if it's getting played, that would be at the top. No, if there's any English games, they're always at the top of the sky up and then you need to go down. And then eventually it's got Europa Conference or even the Europa League qualifiers because they don't care until English teams are involved. Okay. Effectively. Definitely. It's, uh, they've got the Austrian mob, haven't they? St. Johnson. There's Austrian. L-E-S-K. No. Oh, here, but I think I mixed up. For some reason, I thought they had Randers. Maybe you're maybe right. Well, they have, I think they've got LASK. I don't know where they're from. Are they Austrian? Are they? Aye, they are Austrian. Where am I getting Randers from? Is that who they were going to face if they Aye, through, maybe? Playing, were they? That's what it was, a third one. Aye, that's what it was. Aye. I've <laughs> me under pressure there, mate. I thought I'd got that wrong. Sorry, it's my blue part. <laughs> but... Edit, edit, we'll edit that bit out. Don't worry. Um, I'm a Wraith Rovers fan, so my knowledge of European football is pretty much zero, so I wouldn't worry about it. Anything <laughs> past the 90s is good. <laughs> exactly. If it's not the, the UEFA Cup, 1994, 95, then uh, 95, Any chance would that be your mastermind um, topical <laughs> subject, does it? That's exactly what I was thinking as well as you asked that. <laughs> It's probably too, it's probably too narrow a, a subject, you know. You're supposed to have enough questions about it. Huh? Yeah, the, the Rovers squad <laughs> from the from the glory years of '92 to '96. 
to, to be fair, that mob that St Johnson are playing, they're sitting fifth in the league after four games, five points. It's no could go and do a turn on them, mate. Get ourselves in there. I don't see why not. I think they're the type of team I think could do it. Could get through. I hope mm. they do. I like St Johnson. I, I wouldn't say that about many other clubs in Scotland that are making a face, but St Johnson, apart from maybe Dundee United and Dundee fans, I think most people don't yeah. mind St Johnson. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, they're kind of, they're kind of inoffensive, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> they're just yeah. to be quiet, guys. That's yeah. what they are. There's no like real personality. It's that kind of the one your pals group that just kind of hangs about and talks to nobody and just says hi to everybody else. But that's yeah, it, goes, it goes back. They're, 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 I mean, they're one of these good community clubs. You know what I mean? Who are like from a from a small area, but I mean, what what they've done has been amazing. So yeah, you know, good 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 luck to them. I mean, if you're, talk, if you're talking about like a situation, I suppose it's about like. When you see a couple when you think they are punching seriously above their weight, that's in Johnson, isn't it? Mm. And they have been for a long time. Yeah, no, I mean, they're so consistent, you know what I mean? They've been up there, and then, I mean, I can't remember what the stats were, but winning two cups in the same season, you know, who else had done it? It was Aberdeen, wasn't it? It was the last. So, aside from Rangers and Celtic, obviously, but so if they've done that, it's, it's kind of incredible. It's a fact, though, that Callum Davidson's able to rejuvenate players that look like they're kind of done, yeah. As well, I think that's what's kind of good about it. It's going to get a turn with some of the boys that are there. Like oh, sorry. Sorry, where you go, mate? Fancy Celtic, far going through. I, to be fair, I didn't really know much about AZ, but they were always kind of no bad side in Europe. But you did. the way we were playing, now, I think we'll, we'll take on anybody, yeah. Honestly, Even- God. Aye, even when there was a speculation about the tie, I did think you have a chance. They were good last year. They are a decent side, but they have lost two of their best players from last season. Um, mm. I think the one that I've heard about is pretty dangerous is, is it Cooper Miners, who can play centre-back or midfield, but he's just like, I think he's got about 15 goals last year. Um, so he's maybe one to watch in terms of midfield, because maybe that's area still, it's, apart from centre-back, there's still maybe a wee bit of uncertainty. Recently, you've been playing more kind of three attacking central midfielders. I know McGregor will but, drop and I suppose I doesn't need to take their turn but I don't know whether you'll do that still this week. Maybe he will. Maybe it just does go with the Rodgers, Turnbull, McGregor but I don't know if you can get away with that in Europe. To be fair, uh, McGregor, you didn't get the best with McGregor when he's in that role. He's sitting holding because he is better further forward because he has got a good shot and he, he can spot a pass as well but the thing I like to see as well was that um, McCarthy came on at the weekend as well, who then took McGregor's position and let him go further up the park, which will, will help the team, which can take the pressure off. I don't know if we'll play with two whole midfielders, but the way we play, it's like it's like watching a it's like watching a Bielsa team. The way we're set up, it's like four McGregor there and four well forward midfielders, and then the striker, but. Edward and Kyogo kind of kept switching about that position at the weekend, which was which was good to see. Like but, it's modern football, it is. It's entertaining to watch, but it's just all a bit like going back to when Brendan Rodgers was there. I always felt that in Europe, the reason why they didn't kind of quite progress or do that well is because they were a wee bit naive in midfield. I think in in Europe especially, you want to get a hold of the ball, frustrate the opposition, and that's, I don't know whether Sorrow maybe would come back in or not. I, I don't know. 
we're talking about what hot takes are like they're my hot take and that Celtic midfield is that Sorrow is absolutely immense are you okay but he's he's not a football player any, any stretch of imagination like so is games. that an area that still you need maybe a bit of strength in there a bit or MacArthur I, you know, I think that's where McCarthy's in there mate Aye, honestly I think that's why he's there, there. He's, he'll fill that gap in the middle of the park when McGregor has to drop off for a game or two and give him a rest or and you want to use him further apart but I think we'll be, I think we'll be fine on Wednesday night like again a home tie you should have seen the atmosphere against that Jablonek it was unreal it was Everybody was just buzzing to be back, and I think we'll get the same again on Wednesday. Just don't be too overconfident like Harry was last week with Hibs. No, no, no. I wouldn't say we're going through yet. I'm just saying we'll have the first leg, it's going to be all right. I think we'll be, I think <laughs> we'll cope, right? That's what the way is. We'll cope. But... That's a sensible approach because, like, Harry's like Aaron. Aaron was like, Aaron had us running about four trophies this season, I think. Can I get a wee shout out to Aaron, by the way? Get a shout out. In case she's listening. Is it, she, are you going to slag her or are you going to say something nice about her? Depends. Uh, it's got to be a wee bit of slag. I heard that, well, she made an excuse that she wasn't coming on tonight. But again, I, I don't know if we mentioned this off air, but it was because Stephen's on and Aberdeen got put out and she had them, didn't you? Have you used them to win the League Cup? <laughs> um, uh, what did she know? I was still winning. I think she had us to win the Ramsons <laughs> Cup. <laughs> you had the treble when the top scorer. As, as, one, as one of the Rovers guys posted yesterday, does that mean Aberdeen dropping at the Challenge Cup now? Is it like the Europe, you know? <laughs> Maybe I'm a, a chance of winning a trophy. <laughs> um, aye, well, we, we can slag off for that. And we, need it, we can say it now because it never happened, right? So, yesterday we were having a WhatsApp chat and all that, and we're like, aye, aye, okay, things are going well. And then, obviously, with Rovers got 2-1, okay? So, I suppose I, you're confident that we're going to get back in the tie. Uh, and uh, Aaron pipes up with, well, I won't make extra time because I need to pick up my mate in Edinburgh at three o'clock. <laughs> Obviously, she didn't end up having that problem. Um, however, the ironic thing was our mate, our mate missed the train anyway, so if I had gone extra time, she'd have been fine, but she, would have, she wouldn't have managed anyway because she'd have thought she'd been away. So, aye, we'll hear her. But she's not on, and that's what we do. If folk aren't on, they just get pelters. So, sorry, Aaron. I'm not, I'm not very oh, superstitious, but... I wonder if that was kind of like God played his wee part there, like a wee bit of karma there. there. Exactly. <laughs> I couldn't do that. I couldn't leave. That's why I stopped going to Scotland games back in the day because when they changed it to evening kickoffs, it was a nightmare getting back into town to try and get a train because you know what it's like after hand and you try and get a train back in, that's not happening. Then they were to, to be fair to them, they started, did they start putting on buses at that point? Maybe not. I think it was maybe just before that. Trying to even get a bus back into town, they would always be heaving parked. So you'd be like, what would I do? Do you head over to Queen's Park and then we try and get a train there, do something different? Or do you walk it in? And I just couldn't start. I could not, I can't, I detest. But why would you go to a game and leave five minutes early or leave early at all? Even, I'm that stupid, I'll say it to the end of the, the Celtic 9-0 game. <laughs> That's how stupid I am. <laughs> um, and then about two weeks later, I, I seen us do, I seen us lose five now at Tynecastle. I did leave early that day, mind you, because uh, it was chronic under McGee. Going, going back to the start of the season, when Rovers went 4-0 up against Hamilton, there was a whole load of guys left 
like got up, walk, walked out. So they, I don't know where they were when they got their equaliser in the ninety. Down in their sorrows. <laughs> I was I wasn't sure if you're talking about Wraith Rovers fans or Hamilton fans there because it might be Wraith Rovers fans think this couldn't get any better this season. Yeah, that actually we should have walked, walked out at that point. <laughs> I had a weird experience. We uh, we went to Ibrox once and uh, I think we were went four 0 down and had a guy sent off. So the fourth was a penalty and I kind of thought I, I, I've had enough. So I'm not going to sit and watch the last 30 minutes. So I left, headed towards the subway, and the amount of Rangers fans that were flooding out as well. And then this old guy said to me, a Rangers fan said, oh, you had enough then? I was thinking, hey, but so have you. What's going on here? So I was sitting on the tube with loads of Rangers fans who like, just thought, hey, I'll get away early, you know. We're four and a lot, that's that done and dusted. Just crazy. No. I know it's last week. I, well, I know it was last week at Edmago. Certainly there was a few fans leaving pretty early. But you were still no, they were still in my outside chance of maybe coming back into the tie, but no, it's not empty. You've kind of just seen it's all funny. these empty spaces. You think you think after COVID and the year we've had and being away from football and missing it, you kind of think that all this sort of odd behaviour would have gone. It's like, you know, people yeah. booing the team off and all yeah. that. You just think, right, you're happy to be back, you know, you're not going to moan, you're not going to leave early, you're just glad to be back in the stadium. But a couple of games in and everybody's back to the, the normal way of things they do, you know. Always makes me think uh, like years and years ago when I had my first season ticket self apart, sitting with my dad one day and I says, Right, is that the game done? Let's go. And they went, You never leave before full time. You always wait to the last kick of the ball. And right enough, Mark Burchill went up the park and scored. And you know that way I'm looking up at him and going, You're right, Dad. You're right. <laughs> I missed that. You know everything. <laughs> ah, he felt like he was the smartest man in the world there. There's so many like there's so many moments that people would have missed. Like, do you think anyone left the the Man U Bayern game early? I bet they did. People, like, people left the Liverpool one as well, didn't they? The three 0 Yeah, like, like left at half time and stuff like that. Imagine. Yeah. Oh dear. I think leaving at half time is a bit extreme. But... Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I did. I did leave. I once left Capolo uh, early. I think again we were th- we went three 0 down and had a guy sent off and we'd been absolutely miserable and it was like seventy minutes or something. And uh, but I got so I thought I've had enough of this again. I'm going, you know. I, I got outside. I heard the fourth one going in, and then I was on the Kingston Bridge listening to the radio, and I heard the fifth one going in. So I thought, well, that was okay. Didn't didn't miss anything. Then I'll get home early. You know? But uh, you, you should stay. Hi, definitely. Um, so right on the subject of Rangers, obviously their tie, Alice Clare, Armenia. It's not a place you really fancy going. I don't think. Uh, I would imagine Rangers fans are pretty confident, thinking, "Aye, this will be." They'll go through, but I don't know. It's the amount, of times, is it? the amount of times over the last few years that Celtic's got a tie that's across in Eastern Europe, you do seem to see a bit of kind of there's no jet lag, but uh, it isn't, isn't it? Like it's the traveling that's hard, don't you? Hey, they do get a bit leggy for it, like so it is a hard tie. Well, I've read from Aberdeen's point of view, they're going to Azerbaijan, but they're going, they're going a day early just to try and. Adjust slightly. Um, it does definitely play a factor, but then I suppose you could argue then it plays a factor vice versa because they've got to come to Scotland. I think they're more used to it though, like kind of the long travelling for to play a game of football these kind of countries. Yeah, I guess they probably do it much more often. But mm-hmm. yes, uh, but, I don't. What's that? Again, if can we do the predictions like we've done? 
the last week? I can, certainly I. Yeah, we, we put the poll out, and to be honest, in a way, folk were generally right. I think mean, two or three was the, the popular opinion, and we were obviously meeting, going through to next round of the tournament we were in, as opposed to it was four that went through because of the stupid rule. Um, Aberdeen, I'm not too sure about what to, what to expect. Like I mentioned before, when the job was made, Quarabag have made the group stages of Europe for the last seven seasons, whether it's Champions League or Europa. So it's not an easy tie. Um, Connor, cliche and all that, but it's gone of the days where you get many easy ties. And just for the fact, folk are going, aye, but look where they're from. It doesn't matter. Like, what have we done in Europe for the last 14 years? Um, so, don't know what to expect. The hope is obviously a, a reaction from what happened yesterday. Um, I suppose it maybe shows glass at the moment that you might just pick your best team and then go with it. Because I noticed Hibs playing, I know they've not got any Europe now. They picked their best team. They, they just went, right, let's pick our best team, let's get through this tie. At the start of the season, maybe I am contradicting myself from earlier, you just play your best team and then whatever he sends later. So that's the only good thing. We've got a big game to to fall back on and instant reaction. Let's get the job done and aye, get into the group stages. It'll be terrific. The, the cash boost is a big thing. I know folk will say, I suppose, the Conference Cup league is now like the League Cup in terms of did the European tournaments, but there used to be three European tournaments and it's just the way it is now is a bit different in terms of the whole group situation and most people would prefer knockout. So, aye, I think we've got a chance, but I think it's a difficult tie. So, when the back of that, how many do you think are going through, Scott? One. And that's you? Mm-hmm. Aye, Celtic's only way to go through. There's my other hot take for the night, like, There's because... Is he okay? I, I, again, we could, took an absolute slagging after we got put out of the Champions League. And I just think folk were kind of jumping too far in front. I think Rangers were going to hit a hard tie against that Alice kit. Right, okay. Um, Stephen, do you want to have a bash at thinking how many teams will get through? I think Aberdeen and St. John's will probably both go out, to be honest. Um, and I don't know. I think, I think Rangers will get through. And I think Celtic, who, who knows what Celtic shows up, I think, is a. It sounds as if you're confident, Scott, but uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it's just a name. It's, it's the one name you sort of recognise and, and and see that they've been decent over the years. So I think that it depends. I think it'll all depend on what happens at, uh, at Celtic Park. I think if they can get a great result there, then I think they'll be fine. But if it's a draw or a tight, then I think they might struggle away. Obviously, Rangers would end up the Conference League. So is that counting on them going through? But it's no going through in that tie. No, Good. it's same as last week. It's only if they progress to the same competition right. um, in terms of how many. Because we'll put the poll out again. I think it actually had quite a good reaction in terms of what folk thought. Um, you know what, actually? I'm going to change my I'm being unfair in St. Johnson. I think St. Johnson will go through. I think St. Johnson will go through. All right, I cheer, Scott. I... Just, just because it's the over the last decade in Scottish football, it's the two most successful clubs in Scotland. <laughs> Johnson and Celtic. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm getting it, I'm getting it all in tonight. It's like the swimming again. Uh, so, I, what do I think? I'll go two teams to get through. I need to get behind my team. I think we can do it. Let's, I, make it happen. Get through. I oh, know. I'm going three. Celtic, Aberdeen, St. Johnson. Fuck it. Oh, look, you, you're just about banned for Patodre there. You're going to go for that, eh? You're going to go for all four there. I've seen it. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. 
it's interesting. It's, it is like starting to be a wee slight test in time for Rangers because they've had the success. That's what it used to last season. Whereas now we discussed it last week, didn't we? The, the whole fan thing. Mm-hmm. Rangers don't like playing in front of fans. Is that the, the three wins just in, about what we decided? Three <laughs> wins in nine games. That's what it is. Three wins in nine games in front of fans. Because pressure can, can quickly change. We've seen it so many times. Pressure can quickly change. And especially we've seen it so many times with Rangers and Celtic. New managers coming in, they get written off because no one's helped. Well, most folk maybe haven't heard of them. And Celtic have done, I think, under, is it about four or five managers that folk have, have come in after everyone writing off Celtic and they've won the league? Mm-hmm. Janssen is one and all, I remember. I think even Martin O'Neill. Martin O'Neill got written off and they went and won a treble that season. Gordon Strachan, the media Bratislava. Bratislava, there again, beat five, won across there. And then everybody was wanting rid of him. They're still folk okay, him. Still Aye. Celtic fans that didn't like him. That one result. Um, oh. And then Lennon, I suppose, to an extent. But see, on that point as well, John, like, we had, again, it's a distant memory for me because I was only young, but after we stopped 10 in a row for Rangers, we had a couple of dismal seasons after that because of the pressure. That's yeah. what it is. Because it's, it's, I know I've heard this cliche getting passed about and I'm going to use it. It's easier to win it when you're chasing the league, knowing you're the champions. Like It's, it's harder, to, harder to retain it, eh? Yeah. Um... Looking, looking at it from the outside as well, as a, as a non-old firm, if you're allowed to use that phrase on here, but... Uh, Mm. As a non-Ranger <laughs> fan, I think there's there's overreaction on on both sides. So I think you know, what I mean, you get overreactions with things, and I think that can spill into. You saw it last season with Celtic, and I think it could easily spill into Rangers of like you know if they're not beating everybody in front of them, then there's a lot of like you say upset folk who just can't take it, and that that might put too much pressure on on them. You know, so who knows what will happen. It's that expectation of having to win every week. Yeah. Don't have that mentality for players, though. What's that? It's a different mentality for players coming into it. You need to kind of have it. You need to have the grasp of it. I suppose, like, if we're to maybe make a slight comparison, but I suppose it's a different situation. Kilmarnock, I always speak about before Clark, was it Kilmarnock? Kilmarnock, we are hovering above the relegation places. He came in. Marries to get the best out of that, that group of players. They finished third. Clark went, and now we see where they are. Mm. That group of a lot of that group of players at Rangers struggled when Brendan Rodgers was there. Celtic were doing so well. There's quite a fair, fair few of that team were there, and are still there. So they know the highs of last season, but they also know the lows are experiencing what Brendan Rodgers' Celtic team was doing at them. It's quite a similar, well, I wouldn't say it's a similar way of attacking. It's a different style of football that they're probably not used to. So, the end of the month, we'll find out if Rangers can cope with the new Celtic. Because it is, even though there's a lot of a bulk of the same team, it's the way it plays a totally different way. It's a different style there. Yeah. And then, uh, who uh, scheduled that game before us? Scotland pitchers? Surely that's... That's well, every season, mate. Isn't it? Every uh, season we do that. Unbelievable. So, can I move on? I think what we will do is lower league predictions. So, uh, do we put the pressure on Stephen, do you think, this week to do them? I think you give them all three, mate, to be honest. Aye. So, 
We did a lower league predictions game, and you're up against a, a Red Rovers legend, Ali Graham. Right. Uh, Ali's the expert, so can't be Ali Graham. <laughs> <laughs> no, you need to, you need to. So it's one all just now. Ali got a point back again. We were no far off. When you was it your prediction? Did you have us two 0 two 0 Queens Park? Obviously, um, I did the take in. I just picked the games last week. Oh, was it Har- It must have been Hardy or. Scott, Scott. Scott. So we're very far off. Um, so a game from each league, I'm about to that because it's not really that stupid League Cup tournament, thankfully. Um, the Championship, League One, League Two, League. So Championship, let's go for the battle between the two teams that got relegated Hamilton and Kilmarnock. Stephen, what do you think? Is that Hamilton? Yeah. Is that Hamilton? Yeah. I think. That'll be 2-0 Kilmarnock. 2-0 Kilmarnock, right, okay. Hey, Scott, do you want to pick a game from League One? Um, I'll give you the fixers go, a few. No, I've got them here, mate. Go, go for a team that I needed to score at the weekend for my best teams to score. Peter Heed against Erdre. Oh, right, okay. Erdre got beat, didn't they, on Saturday? Um, Peter, is that Peter Head? Yeah, aye. I'm going to go for Erdre bounce back. Peter had one, RJ2. Peter had one. Peter, sorry, Peter had one, RJ2. Right, okay. And I think we'll go for Kelty Hearts against Edinburgh City. For League Two. We're back against a Fife team here. That's going to be <laughs> Hearts against Edinburgh City. Edinburgh City have had a poor start, haven't they? So, if Kelty, to be fair, like. Yeah. Uh, I've I'm going to go nil-nil in that one. Nil-nil? Right, okay. okay. So, we've got Hamilton, Kilmarnock, nil-two, two-nil Kilmarnock, Peter Head, Erdre, two-one Erdre, Kelly Hart's head, but a nil-nil. So, we'll see how we go on. Well, no blame you if we, we lose, because <laughs> last year we were... I feel like we were, terribly. Don't worry. Last year we were pretty poor, so... Uh, aye. We just like to pass a blame on to our folk. That's why we get the guests. They like bits. I'm, I'm just relieved you didn't ask me to predict the Rovers Dunfermline game on Friday night, so that would have been... Uh... <laughs> nah, well, that was six. Again, what a great week to have you on, because you've got that. We've had the League Cup. We've had all the chat about 94 and beating Scott's Celtic team and Scott never marries him by the way just in, t- in case any, <laughs> any, any younger listeners are going what you've got this old Celtic manager on uh, well if you're only two there's a good book you can read to find out all the <laughs> <laughs> what's it called again unthinkable where can you buy it <laughs> I think you can buy it online I think there's a few copies still knocking about it's been out, um, it's been out a long time now but so on the subject of books as well you've wrote, written another book recently obviously came out in March am I right in saying that's right, yeah. And it arrived then. It arrived then. Ah, you like that? Yeah. See what you did there. See what you did there. Uh, arrival. So, obviously, the, the kind of story I've kind of seen is about the Scotland women's national team getting to the World Cup. How did the book come to come to light? Yeah, well, obviously, I'd written, I'd written the book about Wraith, um, and, and that had gone quite well. I'd enjoyed that sort of process and kind of realised that I wasn't going to mess it up. So I thought, I'll oh, have another go. And uh, I guess similar to Wraith, um, I'm kind of keen to write about, like if you go in a, a, a bookshop, you get loads of books about Rangers and Celtic and, and all these teams, you know, and you know, the likes of, likes of Rovers or other teams don't really get their sort of time in the sun, really. And and I think women's football is similar to that as well. And it wasn't doesn't really get the coverage I think that it deserves, you know, particularly given that Scotland 
you know, had qualified for both a Euros and a World Cup, you know, before this was obviously all before Scotland got to the men's Euros. So uh, I guess I, I came to women's football and I sort of circuitous route, similar to other people. It's not very, it wasn't very visible. So growing up, I wasn't really aware of it. It was only really when my daughter started playing football and um, we kind of thought, we'll obviously take her to the Rovers, but she was fairly young, we thought. Uh, we saw Scotland women were playing at Tynecastle just down the road. And I thought, well, we'll go down there, watch that, you know, give her some sort of female role models. And that's really how I sort of realised there was a Scotland team there and then a Scotland team that actually was pretty good and was doing some interesting things. And then when they qualified for the Euros in Netherlands in 2017, um, that was really the real start of it for me, I think, of we went there as a family, had a brilliant time following Scotland. Uh, they obviously got knocked out just on, on, on goals. Goal difference as as usual, I guess, but um, had a great time, you know, and followed them through the World Cup, went to the World Cup, and, and, and you know, again, just an amazing experience to see a Scotland team at, at the World Cup. So, really got into following women's football, uh, started going to sort of league games here as well around Edinburgh. And again, I just thought there's a team here that's done something pretty amazing, uh, and I kind of wanted to write about it. And again, it's a, it's, I guess it's a sort of untapped market that people, not many people had written, or nobody, I guess, had written a book about this. And so what to tell the story of that? And then once, once I got into it and started speaking to people, I guess what to tell the story of women's football as well, of what it's come from. So, because, you know, like in the 70s, it was effectively banned, you know, and, and you know, the SFA refused to, to sort of recognise it, you know. And, oh, yeah. Yeah, so the, so the book starts, I guess, back in the 70s when there was a vote. There'd obviously been a couple of unofficial Women's World Cups, obviously gone quite well. So UEFA thought, right, we can't let this happen. We're, we're going to recognise women's football. So they had a vote around the whole of Europe to say, look, we, we want the associations to recognise uh, women's football and bring it into sort of, you know, that, I guess, UEFA family. And every single country in Europe voted for that, said yes, except one, which as mm -hmm. you can see, was Scotland. So, you know, so to be, to be, for the National Association to be saying, we don't want women to be playing football, we don't think women should be playing football. So they've gone from that to then finally be recognised and then be at a World Cup and a European Championship uh, not, not long after in football terms, I think was a, was a great story, I think, that I've sort of battled against that. You know? So so wanted to tell that story and wanted to, I guess, give the players that have done something pretty special the, the credit for that. The, the thing that I see quite a lot in we actually spoke about it in the podcast last week. Was you kept here first Scotland, uh, first time Scotland have qualified for a major tournament yeah. since '98. But then you're speaking there about the Euros and the World Cup that the women's team. It's as if it still doesn't really get. Yeah, exactly. I know. People, people do pick up. You know, some of the commentators pick up on that, and then people get defensive. Well, well, obviously I'm talking about the men's, but you know. No, I heard that as well, and you know, I was thinking, well, hold on a minute, I, I was watching Scotland at a World Cup like last, last summer, you know. So, yeah, I mean, it's still, it still probably doesn't get exactly the sort of credit and coverage it, it deserves. I mean, things have moved on massively, obviously. But, um, but yeah, just I guess I wanted to. I mean, I wrote about Rovers, a team that I love, and I guess I, I really enjoyed watching the Scotland women's team at those tournaments. So, kind of wanted to write about another team that, that you know I've got a lot of affection for and think they should have have a space and for their story to be told. Another thing that was kind of brought up last week as well was the fact that the child the child of VAR during a major yeah. tournament yeah, well. is absolutely it blows your mind like you go back to the penalty well it was one penalty kick but it's yeah. three penalty kicks 
No, yeah. yeah. No, I know. I mean, it, it's, it's, it was kind of crazy. And obviously Scotland has kind of felt, as, as usual, to be at the sort of raw end of that, you know, in, in all the games, actually. So even, you know, giving away a penalty in the England game uh, early on, and then obviously Japan, it was totally absent. So, you know, there was a clear penalty. Scotland should have had that just seemed to be ignored. And then obviously the madness of the sort of last 15 minutes against Argentina. Uh, it, it's, it, and I've said to other people, it's, I've never been one for like refs cheating, thinking the refs are cheating, or there's some sort of conspiracy going on. <laughs> I was probably the closest sitting behind those goals, Leon Alexander's goals in the Parc de France, going, you know what, we've been cheated here, it's just not happening because they've decided they want Scotland out. You know, I mean, I know now it wasn't that, it was just, it was just incompetence, but yeah, so yeah, the fact that they trialed that at uh, uh, like a World Cup is kind of crazy, really. And thankfully, after that group stage they kind of got on top of it and it was a bit better but yeah just just madness really it just feels as if we were the brunt of it but as you're saying though yeah at that point we took uh, we took that like yeah I mean it was just it was crazy to have I mean I've talked about Rovers and Hamilton you know going from 4-0 to 4-0 but going from 3-0 you know totally coasting and we are we we stayed in the end of the World Cup and stayed right up to the final so we kind of had our trip sorted so to you know, when we were three 0 up, we kind of knew we were going to have to sort of disrupt our trip or what we planned to go to the the second round game, you know. So there was one silver line of getting knocked out. We didn't have to do that, but yeah, to to start losing goals and then to get a penalty like that from VAR to save the blooming penalty, which was obviously just an amazing feeling, you know, to go from the pits of despair to this, you know, absolute height of she saved it. We've got it away. We're going to still win three two. To then be sunk back into the pits of despair for a retake. It's just, it's probably the craziest 15 minutes of football I've ever seen in my lifetime, you know. You can understand where David Marshall was coming for after the Serbia game when he's actually. Uh, yeah, take a bit of time before before you celebrate. Yeah. Sadly, we didn't take any time. We just celebrated, <laughs> celebrated the save. And then, and actually, the worst thing about it was uh, we were surrounded by French people who were obviously just neutral. So you know, if you're, if, again, it annoyed me at the time. But again, if you understand, if if, if you were a neutral game and it was three 0 a bit of a, you know, this is this is uh, over, and then somebody starts going back, they were obviously just like cheering Argentina and going nuts, you know. So, and while we were sitting in total misery behind the goals, but yeah, but again, a, a part of the book was trying to I guess move it away from that as well. It was obviously a fifteen minutes that everybody talks about, but actually just being at a Euros, being at a World Cup, you know, competing pretty well against good teams was again part of the story of actually this was a huge achievement England game was a cracker as well as you're yeah. saying like yeah no that was great I mean they started well and then I guess that first VAR just kind of knocked, knocked the stuffing out of them a bit and, and it took a while to come back and I mean England obviously had a good team they showed it by going on to the semi-finals and running the USA course but yeah no that was a great Nice was just again just being back at a tournament the, the fans there just just fantastic See, in terms of when you're working and writing the book and obviously doing your research and stuff like that, again, like what we were asking about Unthinkable earlier, who was your kind of favourite people to interview and talk about the game? Yeah, I mean, it was was slightly different from Unthinkable because I guess, uh, you know, the Rovers journey, I'd been there the whole way through, so I kind of knew everything that happened because I'd kind of been there. This was slightly different. I guess I'd only really come in at the end of it, so I needed to do a lot more research. But yeah, people like, I mean... Shelly Kerr was amazing and, and you know, re- really helpful in, in so many ways in giving up time and obviously and obviously the, the, uh, in giving time when she was managing Scotland to talk about it and, and, and help me get access to photos and stuff like that. 
people, but actually the people from the, from, I guess, the previous era, to me, were, were probably the most interesting in the sense that what they'd battled against and what they'd struggled against. So the likes of Julie Fleeting, the likes of Pauline Hamill, who'd been Scotland players, I guess, before Scotland qualified, and again, just how they sort of went went through things. Um, and, a, and another one who was fantastic was Anna Senior, again, a real a uh, real interesting character um, and you know, she in a slightly similar to the Frank Connor Jimmy Nichol thing she absolutely laid the foundations for that World Cup qualification as well you know because the way she turned around and, and the book very much tells that story of how her coming in from Sweden bringing in what what Swedish football did and and bringing that to Scotland you know which obviously wasn't wasn't particularly professional you know people trying their best but just kind of transformed so much about the game in terms of training, in terms of when they play, the academies, all these things that obviously created a squad that, that brought us to the Euro and the World Cup eventually. We've got a couple of guys in the podcast team that are writing books. So a question from John Blaisdell, he's writing a book about Euro 92. Mm-hmm. He wants to know, what is your best advice surrounding writing a book? I mean, the best advice is just to go for it, I think. <laughs> I think that there's a lot, of, I mean, I've got a lot of, maybe just me, but I always had a lot, with both books, I had quite a lot of self-doubt of, you know, can, can I do this? But, so I think just have have that belief. But I think probably the best bit of advice is get someone you trust to kind of, you can show it to and can help you edit it and stuff like that. So, because I think you can sit in isolation and, and write lots. And I think the difficulty is always, when you're interviewing people, you get wee favourite anecdotes or wee favourite moments or, you know, people you like and, you know, you want to put them in, but then, they, you know, somebody else reads it, they go, well, this doesn't really add anything or actually you're kind of repeating yourself there. So I think get get someone you trust. I mean, it's obviously difficult putting what you're writing to other people, so it has to be yeah. someone you trust, uh, but get someone you trust to read it and, and act as an editor. So thankfully, uh, my, my wife was that role and, and was excellent in terms of reading it and, and giving an honest assessment of this works, that doesn't. And, you know, that can be quite difficult to hear sometimes, but actually it makes it a lot better. And I think once you get out, so find, find someone like that and, and lean on them and use them, I think. I think you were saying earlier, he was, he'd got someone to kind of have a look at what he's done so far. So he said some good interviews so far. We had Dave McPherson on the podcast last week. He obviously featured at Euro 92 and there's others lined up. Stuart McKimmy is lined up for next month, which will be good. And on the subject of the women's game, we mentioned last week, we've got an upcoming preview podcast about the SWPL, and he has got four guests lined up, a good range of guests as well. He has Emma Hunter, mm-hmm. uh, Aberdeen, uh, we've had on before. Uh, Jill Ingalls, who is the Motherwell captain, uh, will be on. Uh, Zoe Ness, Rangers player. And Grant Scott, the new Glasgow City manager. So yeah. I could mix a guest there. Um, so we obviously, we, we could have mentioned it many a time before. It's one of those difficult ones. This the, the World Cup obviously has helped bring exposure to the game, which is tremendous, but there wasn't a chance to kind of build from it because COVID happened. Yeah. So we're trying to, I suppose, as we go, learn more. So the likes of having yourself on, who's had the experience of writing a book, which and being at the World Cup and stuff like that in the Euros, is tremendous. And you'll be for that a good few guests. But going back to your point earlier about um, kind of taking your daughter to the game, the games we've had like Leanne Crying on in the past, Megan Foley, and they always we always ask them like who were your heroes growing up? They didn't have a, a female role model because even probably to an extent the, the good example will be and we've all heard about it nowadays is Rose Riley. Yeah. Who I think for a, a long time played football with the boys, kidded on she was a boy, I think, to play, then ended up in Italy and did just 
tremendous things. Like if if there's anyone that's an icon of Scottish football, Rose Riley would be it. And then you mentioned the likes of Julie Fleeton, who if that was a man, would they'd be superlatives. It would be yeah. like massive. Again, last week we spoke about Liam Ross, who's just retired from the game. Yeah. Um, just tremendous yeah. achievements. Even people like Kim Little, I mean, you, you speak to people in world football and like they talk about Kim Little as being like one of the best players in the world, you know, uh, and, and you kind of saw what, what, what she brought to the Team GB and, 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 and that and, and improving that, that effectively England team. But yeah, so yeah, no, I think the fact that there, there have been people who are visible, I think, I mean, one of the, sub, the subtitle of the book is about how Scotland's women took their place in the world stage and inspired a generation. And that inspiring a generation, I think, is, is one of the most important things. That they, again, why I think these players should be given credit because they've battled through and they are now, people see them and see them at a World Cup. And, you know, I saw the Mullen daughter, we, when we came back for the Euros, she played, but kind of just sort of almost like a hobby. But she came back, she thought, right, no, I'm, I'm, this is my thing. I'm going to yeah. progress brilliantly uh, through it, you know. Um, because of that, so you know, these players have really inspired people and 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 have given a visibility. It's that whole you can't be what you can't see, you know. So if you see a, a female playing football with a professional contract, you know, players down at Chelsea like Aaron Cuthbert and stuff, you know, just doing amazing things, playing in Champions League finals and stuff. I think it gives it gives a real boost, I think, to 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 the generation that will come after. I mean, he obviously say good luck to Glasgow City in their upcoming games, which kick off at a ridiculous time we touched on it last week didn't we Scott the, mm-hmm. the crazy times are kicking off it but it's closed doors I think you were saying off air yeah Steven, it's, the it's games 10am are... isn't it I think they said the, the sort of semi-final is a closed door I think if, if they get through which hopefully they do then the final is on Saturday to to, uh, to, to go progress to the next stage and that there's the, you can go and watch that I think is it I think is it Broadwood or I never moved to Peter's Hill I'm not sure now to double check that but um, yeah so you can go to that one but yeah no, there's, there's still, I guess, is a, is a difficulty with visibility and knowing when. I mean, on a very simple level, even, the, you know, you go on the BBC website and look at the fixtures, you know, until last year, there was no women's Premier League fixtures in Scotland on there. You know, thankfully that's changed. But again, there's the League Cup is happening at the moment for the women's game. that They're not on there. So there, there is just a, there's still a battle to be fought, I think, of getting visibility and getting getting people along to go and watch. watch yeah. Games. The likes of Alba put, putting games on there as well. That's kind of starting to help it a, a bit. Yeah, no, I think I think that's good. I mean, I don't want to be critical of Alba because obviously it's brilliant that they've been covering the, the Scotland team and obviously the league as well, which is fantastic. But again, that's a bit of a bugbear for mine of just visibility. I mean, there's a Scotland national team, you know what I mean? And, and you don't get commentary in English. We went across to, to Northern Ireland on holiday last year and uh, it happened to be when Scotland were playing and uh, Republic of Ireland were playing Ukraine I think so we could get RTE so we watched the Republic of Ireland Ukraine team I know nothing about Republic of Ireland but obviously it was all in English so you got the context you got the commentary you got the halftime analysis and it was so stark sort of moving to Alba to watch the Scotland game which was on after it whereas you just thought if you don't know these players and you don't know anything about that you, you get no context because obviously it's not in a language that most people speak. So again, Alba have done brilliantly. So I don't want to be too critical of them. But the Scotland women's national team, if you generally want to promote the game and promote that squad, you know they should be in it on on BBC Scotland, even at the least. You know, with English commentary, so that people can access that and watch it and 
and see it, you know. So that that to me is the next stage of take, taking it seriously. Obviously, their qualifiers are now going to be at Hamden, which you know, brilliant for the players to, to be in that environment. And um, so that's great. But again, it just it needs to be upped and it needs to be given a, a prominence, I think, and not just seen as something that's sort of just an afterthought or, or a sort of second second best, you know. You would think as well, like with no disrespect, the budget for showing these games would be a lot less than what it would be for showing a man's game in terms of a national team. So the BBC down south will show obviously the England female team all yeah. the time. There's even yeah. now are going to be um league action getting shown, I think, on BBC yeah. One. I yeah. think it's not so it's not even like your your lower level channels. There's definitely no reason why BBC Scotland couldn't get involved more and, and show Kind of more games, I think. Well, they are, they are showing uh, the the Premier League games in Scotland, which is great. So there's a sort of highlights package on a Sunday night now in, in English. So that I mean that's brilliant, and to get that accessibility. But again, well, you know, the national team is a kind of a crime that nah, you can't watch a national team with commentary in England. You know, I can watch Wraith Dunfermline on this Friday with yeah. analysis and commentary, and people like great people like Leanne Crichton giving me commentary, you know, analysis of the game. So. I'd just love to see that for for the Scotland women's team as well going forward. Of actually, that's just the norm. That, so people can sit at home, watch it, and and buy into what the team's doing. Yeah, um, the games are at Broadwood on Wednesday, and Glasgow City posted earlier there is an option to stream the games if people are, are free to watch it. 10 p.m. for the Glasgow City game, 3 p.m. for the other game, and then the third place playoff and the final which both take place on Saturday, um, and I'll be allowed to purchase. So if you want more information, check out our website. But uh, um, we're going to move on to what we call slow fire questions. We don't call them quick fire because they usually last for ages, but we'll try and be as quick as we can. So I did notice in your bio, you must be a music fan because you mentioned about Frightened Rabbit. Yeah. Um, if there was one album you were to listen to on a road trip, what would it be? It can be Frightened Rabbit or anyone else. Uh, for that matter, but just I noticed you're a music fan, obviously. Yeah, um, I, I can't look past Frightened Rabbit or like my, my band. So, Midnight Organ Fight, Frightened Rabbit, one of the best Scottish albums, yep, uh, one of the best breakup albums ever, I think. So, but you know, I mean, obviously, usually miss talent, Scott Hutchison, but uh, absolutely brilliant. Saw them live loads and loads of times, and uh, uh, that album is just just class in terms of the, the, the songs and everything. Ah, great choice. I was lucky enough to see them live as well. Um, yeah, in, in, in Arrival, uh, most most of the chapter titles are just one word, but uh, in my little forward, which I guess was my bit, uh, which was, it talks about sort of after the Argentina game and what we did going round to the front of the stadium and stuff, uh, I've used a Frightened Rabbit, Rabbit lyric, which is get together now, find hope. So there's a wee bit of Frightened Rabbit in, in that. Right. In terms of them as well, that tidy changes that came off here, Scott's obviously passing yeah. that. That's a great charity as well. Yeah, no excellent dude doing work in mental health. So, mm. and you can follow him on Twitter. They were um, asking the weekend to try and build up a kind of bigger following. So, yeah. again, get on Twitter, follow Tiny Changes, and the great work that they do. It's um, terrific. It was something that's so tragic. Um, beer. Are you a beer person? I am a beer person. Sadly, <laughs> what's your what's your tipple? What's your beer of choice? I, I like a wheat beer, so uh, probably Hogarden is my uh, my my beer of choice. The expensive stuff, aye. Right, expensive stuff, yeah. I, I, I quite like a Guinness as well, but uh, so yeah. But Hogarden probably is my is my beer of choice. 
I'll drink anything, sadly. <laughs> Me too, mate. <laughs> Scott, I know you like to ask a bit more of the bizarre ones, so on you go. I don't know if you're going to ask the question that John was too scared to ask uh, Dave. Mate. <laughs> I, I think Stephen would answer it. Every. I love going into Morrison's and grabbing every type of beer that's there. Swear to God, like, see the, the world shelf? Yes. Oh, I get tanned in about that, like, all the time. Brilliant. I wanted to do a, see him in the Euros, was kind of kicking off, I wanted to do a Euro beer competition type thing, and it wasn't until I think after it started, I noticed there was a guy on Instagram or something like that, selling beers from other countries. Because oh, yeah. it was some you could get all right, and like some maybe Tesco, uh, or no, uh, the supermarkets, but it was some that were obviously really difficult to get. Um, so I love all that type of thing. I saw that box thing where you could get one yeah. for every country, yeah. So it looks tremendous. I've got a pal that works in a shop in uh, Glasgow, uh, Barry's and Cathcart. And Aye, they sell Quilmes. Quilmes is one of my favourites. Aye, well, that's brilliant and all, like, but it's, 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 not, it's, a, it's a dear habit. Well, not a habit, it's a dear hobby. That's what I meant yeah. to say. No habit. It's a bit of habit, actually. But. <laughs> <laughs> But they ended up having to, they were trying to do that and they ended up having to find like an off Macedonian beer as well. And yeah. a big man ended up finding it like it's just absolute scenes. Like, <laughs> can't get that stuff anywhere. Do you know what it was weird though? When I, when I was looking, even I was trying to find a Welsh beer. Eventually, I went with Tiny Rebel. What about your man, the bootlegger? You seen him on Twitter? The Wrexham fan, massive. He's got his own beer out. you got his own beer out. Uh, I went for Tiny Rebel, but it was a. I, I don't usually go for like the fancier. When I say fancier beers, the craft stuff and all that. It's fancy. It was, a, it was a citrus type one. Mine was lime. It was actually a pretty. I enjoyed it actually. I thought it was as fancy as it'll go because I will drink a Corona with a bit of lime in it. So I thought, well, that might be alright. It was actually quite nice. So, you going to ask your question that you were going to ask that you wanted John to ask Dave? Are you going for it? You're brave enough. The the face one. Not about pampas grass, is it? No. Oh, is it? Remember, you don't remember? I'll message you. Was it the nose? Aye. <laughs> no, you can't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, Stephen. Would you rather have a penis for a nose or a fanny for a mouth? <laughs> I can't answer that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, seen you've had a couple of shandies and you know you're getting brave to ask that. (laughs) Uh, I was on the the Manabre, the the old town stuff. That's a good beer. Uh, That's good. Um, That strikes me as a question you'd need a bit of time to think about and consider. (laughs) I'll I'll use that excuse to get out of it. Um, Any ones you want, we we can ask. It's all right to ask, Scott. You do. if you could be a room in the house, what room would you be? Any room in the house? If I could be a room in the house, it's got to be a living room, surely. Just to laze a bit. Set the house. Tom Fife's got a telly. Watch the football. That, that's where else do you want to be? Bedroom, maybe, but no, I'm, I'm going for a living room. Right, okay. As soon as you become a man of, a man of a certain age, the bedroom <laughs> begins to be your less favourite room in the house. Yeah. Right, Just... Definitely a living room. <laughs> I thought it was any room where you get peace and quiet. Was it no? Is that not a favourite room? It's 
definitely got to be the toilet where you go away for half an hour and kid on your dinner job you just to sit on your phone for peace. Yes. It's like a phone's <laughs> a new newspaper, isn't it? Um, so a question you might need a bit of time to think about, and this is usually the showstopper. I think we'll go with Unless there's any other questions, Scott, or should we go for the, the showstopper that every guest gets? Can I just ask, apart from Rafe Rovers, what has been your favourite game you've ever been to? Apart from Rafe Rovers, um, I think... I think that's maybe worse than your question, John. It's going to uh, take no, a I, was at, I was lucky enough to be at Scotland, France when McFadden scored in the away game. So uh, I was in the Scotland end when that when that goal went in, which was just kind of unbelievable. And then just hanging on to the final whistle. And uh, there was a funny story. There was a there was a guy beside me, and like, I didn't know him. And he's just like sat down, and he was like, "I can't watch this anymore." And he's like, "Just tell me when it's over, big man." Couldn't like, <laughs> watch the last five minutes, but when that when that whistle went to one. And then the stadium's kind of cleared out and you just realise how many spots were in that stadium because everybody just stayed, obviously, singing away. It was, it was just a, a, a great night to, to beat France. Really, really enjoyed that. Fantastic. Right. This might be the most difficult one. So sometimes we, we give the guests an idea what we're going to ask is the last question. If you've heard the podcast before, you'll know. If you've not, don't worry. We'll, we'll, we won't take it. Uh, you won't see anything bad. Over your time supporting Wraith Rovers, what is your one best one to eleven for players? And you can't just go for a cop out and just pick the ninety fourteen. Ninety fourteen. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, I don't know. Best one eleven. <sighs> right. Well, I definitely do need time to think about it. So well, right back would definitely be Jock McStay, absolute class player for Rovers and a class person. Um, centre defence it is going to be the 94 team but no Jock McStay wasn't the 94 team so that's fine uh, in goals I think Dave McGurn uh, was great great for us just like made some amazing saves against Dunferman there's a great triple save against there on, on YouTube somewhere which is, was just incredible so Dave McGurn uh, centre defence <sighs> Sean Dennis has to be I think definitely one of them uh, Marvin Andrews just for the character he was just and the way he and the to, healing powers. Yeah, yeah, no, just the way he used to shield the ball out from like you know like all the way, and like just these guys couldn't couldn't get around them. So Mar- Marvin Andrews, uh, left back. That's a difficult one. Go back to me on that one. Um, <laughs> uh, midfield, I, I think you have to go for 94. So I think uh, I would put Reagan Hendry in actually. Watching him last season, the last couple of seasons, he was fantastic. Uh, but Colin Cameron, Jason Dare, that sort of player. Uh, and then up front, it has to be DL. Uh, he, he was just superb. Just the amount of goals he scored, like I said, from the second division right up to the, the League Cup final. You know what I mean? And, you know, and when Celtic scored in that League Cup final with six minutes to go, I, like I genuinely, I, I thought, oh well, we've done all right. We've, we've, we've scored, we scored first. We've not been hammered. Great day out. But you know, for him to just come up, pop up, and just realise, now nah, we're not done here. Uh, just abs- absolute legend. Uh, who else would I quote? See, it's, it's too difficult. I'm trying. I need to get my unthinkable book book out and look at look at some of these players. <laughs> 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 squad. My memory's not what it used to be. 
But, um, go, is it four three three or four four two? You're going. I'd, I'd probably go four three three. So uh, try to think who else you would have have in the middle. Who did I put? Colin Cameron, Stevie Crawford, Jason Dare, and then up front, let's say uh, DL. DL twice. You can't have him twice. Uh, uh, three DLs up front. Uh, Craig, Henry in midfield. Craig Brewster. Craig, Craig Brewster. Craig, I, Craig, I, he, he wasn't a league cup, but he obviously was 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 just before. And, I think uh, it's crazy that Craig Brewster never get cut by Scotland. Yeah, I mean that's yeah, I mean it's difficult now. It's those times, isn't it? But I mean he's probably one of the ones that probably probably should have at least got a go. I mean, if if he'd been around in the Bertie Vokes era, I'm pretty sure he he would have <laughs> he, he would have been cut and uh, I'm missing a striker, aren't I? Who else could I put? Left back, it? left back, you're missing. Oh, left back, left yeah. back. No place for Ali Graham. <laughs> you, put, you, put, you put me on this. You put me on this. <laughs> um, I probably wouldn't put Ali in, to, to, to be honest, you know, but uh, he, he obviously is an, an absolute legend. So left back, I'll, I'll go with 94. I'll go with, I'll go with Julian Broddle because, uh, again, he was uh, he's sort of marauding up that left-hand side. And actually, I'll go 4-4-2, so I'll stick Jimmy Nicholl in the midfield. I think you've got about 14 players now, which all right. <laughs> can, can I just say something, Steve? You're talking about Marvin Andrews. I actually, I've said this before, when I was, my dad uh, chucked the season ticket, I was in the to go to Celtic games uh-huh. myself. So I was I'd go and watch Stirling Albion, and I've seen the Albion putting Wraith Rovers out of the playoffs for to get the championship. When the big man was there, and he was an absolute character. Like, yeah. Uh, did he not totally take someone out? And uh, then, well, the first leg, I think he took someone out on the left hand side. He, uh, just, he was so powerful. When actually he came back, I mean, the thing is, he was obviously great for us, and then he went, he went to Livingston. But he came back in the year that we sort of picked there for the league as well. So he was like the fact that he came back and sort of, I think when he obviously needed his operation, but he was he, he hung on and, and sort of just played for us like eight or nine games at the end of the season. And, God, who helped us get over the line. So uh, he's an absolute character. You know, I think he still lives. In, does he still live in Kirkcaldy? I know he did for a long time. Uh, yeah. Life Rovers. So obviously he had a church there or something. I'm not, I'm not quite sure, but uh, <laughs> he was just—he was an absolute character. Yeah, it's hard to look beyond that '94 team, to be honest, because it was obviously just such a, a top moment in the club's club's history. But. I, I, I think I think if you'd said the '94 team, I think probably there could be no complaints really, could there? No, I know. So we'll, we'll put Ali Graham in as well. <laughs> we know it's Stephen's then after he comes off to this, he's gone right onto YouTube to watch the highlights of that game again. You've eh? <laughs> been watching the full game. I'm telling you, I, 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 I had the video, I videoed it, and so for years, like we obviously we watched it pretty much every every 27th of November. We used to watch it, and uh, I, I could tell you the commentary probably inside out and all the funny bits in it, you know, and stuff. You know, there's a bit. Go of on. There's a bit in it when DL scores, uh, when Dare whips the ball in and then DL heads it in and obviously the place goes nuts. And then there's a replay where they're obviously Celtic had scored, so they thought they were winning it. So there's this sort of Irish trickle, like going back and forward, like obviously celebrating and then DL like heads it in and it just stops dead, like absolutely <laughs> dead in the middle. So, but you know, uh, no, it's a, it was obviously a great, great moment. Everybody, when it changed for like VHS to DVD, was getting their wedding videos done. Eh? Stephen went and got that video before then. I, I went to every shop in Edinburgh. Like, <laughs> can, you, can you put all my Rovers highlights on it? <laughs> <laughs> so I've got them. And actually, somebody somebody uploaded most of them to YouTube as well. So somebody painstakingly went through and, and got all these games and stuff on. So it's there for posterity, which is great. 
Superb. Uh, before we wrap up, people might have forgot that we have a paid partnership. So in the week, we've got a Wraith Rovers fan on. The ideal link up here is left back Dick. Make your area groomed. Make it rise. Make it stand out with Manscaped. 20% off free shipping of any products at uk.manscaped.com, including the latest lawnmower 4.0. So, aye, Scott, you probably thought I'd forgotten all about it, but I was just... No, I, I tried to get you in that earlier on when I was talking about Dick, and Aye. then you forgot it. I was going to go for it, but I thought it was too early for Dick, so I thought yeah. I'd leave Dick till later on. It's getting to bedtime. <laughs> good, <Yeah>. Liam. <laughs> so, yes. Um, I think that's a wrap then. I think that was good. Enjoyed that. Uh, pleasure having you on, Stephen. Oh, th- thanks for having me on. Uh, and obviously Scott, as always. Good. Good again. And... <laughs> Any opportunity to talk about the 94 Cup final, particularly with a Celtic Cup, <laughs> I will, I'll be there. <laughs> right, so we will be back next week with one podcast, definitely. I think a second one as well. Um, I forget if I got my dates right. So thanks again and speak to you soon. <laughs>